Baba? Yes, my son. Tell me a story. I was, oh my God. <laughs> this is Ryan Coogler, co-writer and director of Black Panther, and I'm here with... Hannah Beekler, production designer of Black Panther. And Hannah's having a good time already. Uh, <laughs> the prologue to the film, it was something that was in the script and it was out of the script, and we weren't totally sure if we were gonna have it, but I'm really happy that we did. And when the time of That's Sterling K. Brown playing the character of Njobu, who's narrating to a young man named Njadaka, or also known as Eric Stevens, also known as Killmonger. A young lad, he's asking for a bedtime story from his father. Um, and through that bedtime story, we get the story of the founding of Wakanda. It's something that Hannah wanted Wakanda to feel all, we wanted to feel real, and we kind of wanted to build a history on it. And Hannah, you know, Worked on a, how many pages was that Bible that she made? 515. <laughs> 515. It ended up being 515, and then the one that you still had in your office was like 300 pages. Yeah. Four tribes agreed to live under the king's rule, but the Jabari tribe isolated themselves in the mountains. The Wakandans used vibranium to develop technology more advanced than any other nation. It's kind of represents the rest of the world, like outside of the borders. And now you see these uh, enslaved Africans here going on that boat towards, you know, towards the Middle Passage, and that's the atom bombs. You know, we get into World War II, and the planes kind of change uh, over time. So we're really just showing, like, the worst of mankind that's happening outside. You know, you got wars, you got colonization, slavery, you know, horrible weapons of mass destruction. Uh, you know, and then we go to, uh, look at that, it's uh, Oakland, California. 1992. That's 1992, yeah. <laughs> It, Lake this, Merritt, right? Yeah, that, so that's, this was really important to us, right? Getting that milk crate basketball court. You know, idea kind of came from, you know, Africans, no matter where you are in the world, Africans you'll find will make something, whatever they have. You know, they'll make art, they'll make, you know, they'll make sport, entertainment, like whatever they have. And, and it's something that we do, uh, Africans in Oakland, kind of make uh, basketball courts out of milk crates and wood. You want to talk about where we shot that at, Hannah? Like, because I think it's an interesting story there. At the um, apartment building? Yeah. We shot at this apartment building in Atlanta that was really fitting to what you would find on Lake Merritt around that time period. There was actually one building in Lake Merritt that really reflected that one. What part? What, what? Yeah, I'm not, no, no, it's right across the street from the church where, where Martin oh, Luther King is buried. Oh, that's Martin Luther King is buried, yes. right? And then his uh, daughter. Yeah, that first day we shot this scene. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, Martin Luther King's daughter came up to us and kind of like, you know, sh shook everybody's hand and, and, and blessed the project. It was pretty it was pretty intense. It was super <clears throat> intense. It was fantastic. Yeah. What a moment. You know, it's on a set that we built in Atlanta. The color for colonization in this film was, was blue. You see Njobu, and he's living in a colonized place. You know, he's got that blue shirt on. They won't knock again. The room, we kind of painted a greenish blue. And this is about the introduction of the door. And also here, you know, you kind of find out that, you kind of highlighting the fact that it's hard to tell where Africans are from. You know, the only thing you really can judge it off of is how they talk generally, you know what I mean? How, like what they sound like. So you really want to play with that idea of seeing a man in Oakland talking like he was from Oakland, and the next thing you know, he has his African accent, kind of setting up this idea, you know, of hiding in plain sight, and um, how fragile it is to be African and from different cultures. You know, you know, here we meet uh, T'Chaka, who's the first Black Panther that we meet, and also introduce Adora and Malaja, who are a big part of the film here as well. And then getting into the color story real early here, you know, you kind of see T'Chaka in the black, the purple, you know. Um, 
the door in the red. You gonna talk about the color story a little bit, huh? Um, yeah, I just, I, well, the one thing is that setting this up, you, you know, you see Zuri in the purple, which you see him at the Warrior Falls in the purple, like you were saying, the, the door in the red, panther in black, that's the beginning of the, the color shorts, I remember when you yeah. were, had put this up on your office yeah. wall and we're talking about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I mean, what we kind of found is, you know, in writing this with Joe Robert Cole and with Nathan Moore, our, uh, our, our producer, we realized we got a ton of characters. So a big thing we wanted to do, and we, you know, Hannah and I had done it on our other films as well, was kind of come up with a color story. But for this, we really wanted to color coordinate per character because there's so many characters in the film to kind of help keep track of it. You know, we really wanted to um, to make each color tell a story and, and kind of like associate characters with those colors. So you'll see young Zuri has one purple, which is a color that you'll always see associated with him. And purple kind of represents spirituality in Wakanda. It represents royalty, um, represents high rank. And another motif in the film, too, you know, Rook's not here to talk about it, but chains, necklaces. You know, um, you'll see you'll, you'll see necklaces in the film a lot. And uh, so you see in, every, in, this, in this shot right here, all of these three, you know, African men have necklaces on. It's something that we know for as African-Americans. Uh, but it goes back, you know, deeper than that. It goes back to the continent, you know, as well. And the color of the necklaces kind of tell a story as well. You know, all of these men are members of Wakanda royalty. You know, they all have gold necklaces on, gold versions of those necklaces. <laughs> And the herringbone style necklace is a bay, you know, it's a, it's a style that's popular in California, popular in the Bay Area. You see Tupac with the herringbone on a lot. And we kind of based Killmonger's look with, it, with the herringbone off of some of Tupac's change. We went to put that big herringbone on his father. You know, just kind of try to plant that, you know, plant that seed early. Prince Njobu, you will return home at once where you will face the council and inform them of your crimes. You know, go back outside. Outside to the kids. So Martin Luther King is, is buried in that building right across right, from there. Yep. We actually touched it up with uh with CG <laughs> so that it looked like a building in Oakland. Yep, not know. so brick. Mm-hmm. And then there goes the Royal Town Fighter. TF. We get into this and like a big sound thing, man. Like um this is one of the ways that Kevin Foggy helped us a lot, but he was he was real adamant about hitting that hitting that note right on the cut, and I think that that it was really effective. We actually had to manipulate the normal um, Marvel logo music to get it to, to sync up with the cut a little better. Um, but once we did it, we were really happy with it. Um, we went back and forth over whether to have an African style theme here or, or well, we thought the contrast would be good coming out of that too short. To start it off with and get into that big Marvel, you know, that big Marvel sound. Start that contrast off tough. The text and stuff too, Hannah. I don't know if you want to talk about that. The um, the Wakandan font uh, that you see in the inner title, switching from the Bano font to the uh, Wakandan font, that was designed by myself and Zachary Fannin, who is a graphic designer. And we kind of based it off of the insipidity a little bit in the sense that we pulled from shapes from the earlier versions of insipidity. So the more uh, like fourth century, more than the 1800s is when it was recorded by the British. So we wanted it to share a language together, but be different, like you knew one was modern and you knew right. one was a script. Like right. we have that. So we're, we're layering, right. adding layers already. This is one of my favorite parts too, because I love the... This, I love this Shant, part, the sand, sand tables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to find ways for the, for the Wakanda technology to be tactile. We know, that, you know a lot of things in African culture are tactile. They have multiple uses. 
I like to think about like the fufu dish that's in West Africa, how it's food, but it's also a utensil. It's when everything to have multiple purposes and everything to be kind of contact activated. Just don't freeze when you. Right now they're flying over the Sambisa Forest, which is in you know northern Nigeria, the Borno State, I believe. But it's a part of um, a little hit on things that are going on in the real world. Um, it's inspired by the uh, you know by the, by the kidnapping um, that's happening in that region. It's still actually still actually still going on. So for folks always who are to know, they'll recognize the Sambisa Forest. Um, this is a, it's a steady cam shot here, and this this was this was done on um, crazy enough. This was done on a, on a set in Atlanta. Um, Hannah had a, built the size of a football field. <laughs> yeah, <so it's> <laughs> Hannah turned Hannah turned the Atlanta set into into the Sambisa Forest. Yeah. We brought in over 150,000 plants and uh, trees for this set and about 20 tons of dirt, red dirt. Yeah, Pedro, uh, who's, yeah, who's, fantastic who's a brilliant greensman, man. You know, he actually had some of these plants giving off fruit. Mm -hmm. You know, they were flowering inside. And oh, they the were, yeah, right. they were it was, blooming. It was intense, and Jeff Bauman and Rachel Morrison, our, our amazing cinematographer, kind of finished it off. And um, filled it out, yeah, absolutely. And here you meet Lupita Nyong'o, this character Nakia, and it's really just, again, hiding in plain sight, this idea of espionage, this idea that the Africans, you know, can be everywhere, and this idea that you can't tell Wakanda's apart from other people from the continent. You know, we want to set that up. This is Bamba John Bamba right here. He's actually a dreamer uh, who came out and, uh, you know, spoke about working in the industry as an immigrant. You know, Bamba John did a fantastic job for us here as a leader of this convoy. And this whole idea of Panther kind of coming out, getting them to look one way and coming out from the other side. And here we really wanted to show, uh, we had a lot of story to tell here. We had to show that the suit is bulletproof, you know, kind of kind of show how Panther fights, you know, but also kind of show that Nakia is a force to be reckoned with as well. And we wanted the scene to feel, to feel like you're in the perspective of these guys. You know, the key light is coming from the muzzle flashes, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. And then here, just kind of showing the contrast of how Nakia is ingratiated with this with this group. She knows who who's innocent, who who shouldn't be harmed, and who should. And Panther doesn't. You know, if, if Nakia is not there, that kid probably gets Panther's claws. So we kind of setting up this scene of, of how Panther works and how these women have his back in different ways. You know, that's really what this scene was about: introducing these characters, seeing the contrast. You know, color story again. You see Okoye here in the red and gold as, as a high-ranking official in, uh, in Dora Milaje. Nakia, we see, is always in green. This environment is green. This kind of represents her being from the River Tribe, you know, and also her kind of blending into these circumstances. You see the women are dressed in green in the back of the truck. Uh, you know, Nakia sees herself as part of the outside world as well, you know, even though she's Wakandan born. I wish for you to be there. And Black Panther, you see, is here in the, here in the black. You know, we used to have a scene where he got all those devices back uh, but we ended up cutting that part out for a movement. The women here are speaking in, um, in the Hausa dialect, as well as a little bit of Arabic. You speak nothing of this day. You know, this scene kind of sets up the outside world. Panther here is taking a look at the impact that he's had on these women's lives. And they look up at the ship leaving, but Koye's told them not to say anything about this. You know what I mean? Not to speak of this. 
and this idea of um, playing in the script of, you know, people don't talk about Wakanda, people don't know about it. Other Africans all over the world, they don't know about it. But if they did, you know, what could that mean for them? You know, um, just to know. So he playing that early. A lot of emotion in this scene, all his non-dialogue. You know, she just found out that he lost his father recently. Uh, she loved T'Chaka as much as he did, you know, and she's kind of showing that she's there for him, even though they're estranged right now, romantically. And then some um, some really important lines there about being home. We're gonna talk about where we shot some of those, <laughs> some of those plays at. That was all, <laughs> it's all South Africa here, Hannah. South doing? Africa, um, this, a lot of it is Winterton, which is northern KwaZulu-Natal, up by the Sentinel Mountains and um, the Lesotho border is where a lot of, that's where this is, that's where a lot of um, our plates were shot, but there's also plates shot in Zambia uh, and Uganda, and the impenetrable forest in, on the Uganda side. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this is the impenetrable forest right here. Um, you know, so you wanna talk about this? Going to the Garden City, you should take the, it away. The, here we go, the hologram, and that was one of the first things that you even talked to me about, like, is that when we started designing Golden City was that it's under this cover and we did that quick animation that mm -hmm. kind of stuck with us mm -hmm. through the entire uh, time that we were working on this film. We always came back to that thing. They're hidden, but they're not hidden within. Like, they can see the sky, but you can't see them, so. That yeah. was, uh, and then the palace. The palace, man. We, we went around. We went there. A lot of iterations, <laughs> but I'm so happy with how we ended up. I think it turned out fantastic. Yeah. And the city, you know, my favorite thing about the city, I think, well, lots of things, but the one thing I think that really was a turning point was when we were in South Africa and you were talking about we should put the Rondavel tops right. on the skyscrapers. And I think that's the moment where the city really started to have breath and life. And that made a big difference to me and how. I started viewing it because then it became part of the country. So yeah, here you have uh, you know Ramon and Nakia having that dialogue with each other. You meet Io for the first time, who we've seen in Civil War, but she's kind of second in command at the door. Yeah, and you meeting the character Sherry, who's very important in this film, and, and um, you know this film kind of looks at the, the sibling relationship as well, even more so than, than I've ever had a chance to work on in, in, in a film before. So my first movie really involved like the, the sibling relationship. And so you see Shiri and T'Challa in contrast with the other two siblings that we just saw have a conversation and it, didn't, it did not go well um, with T'Chaka and, and, and Jobu. Um, so that was a big thing for us to contrast this relationship. And we were really excited to find Letitia, man. She's perfect for this role. Uh, we were so excited about her. She kind of brought her energy and a love to the set that affected everybody. You see the great Angela Bassett here in, in T'Challa. You know, she's kind of this scene about her hiding her grief, you know, um, and trying to stay positive and move forward. And it's a big day for T'Challa. Um, she wants to give him the energy from her for him to be able to focus on that day and enjoy it. And it is your time to be king. Here we get into... Uh, London. Yeah, <laughs> we get into London. Um, this is actually Atlanta here. This is, yeah. Uh, this, this <laughs> we is caught in there. We built this space. <clears throat> Hannah built this beautiful, this beautiful we museum. We built this space, and we really worked hard on getting every single piece in there appropriate time period and and what this African exhibit would be because it would be sort of a sub-Saharan West African yeah. uh, masks and whatnot. But this, I love this uh, meeting Michael for the first time. Meeting Michael for the first time, and you see your know, color story once again. You see what color he's wearing. 
Um, and colonization is what the blue color represents first and foremost. And what about this one? You know, almost everybody in, in London is wearing blue. We it's even a blue tint to the cinematography that, that Rachel did. And that idea is, you know, it's color of like a lot of European flags that had that color blue in them, color of water, you know, uh, which is what separated the diaspora. You know what I mean? It's kind of the separation that the African-Americans had with the continent. You know, the water did not boil well for us. <laughs> it was taken by British soldiers in Benin, but it's from Wakanda. So we wanted to associate him with that color that you saw his father in again. And here's, it's uh, kind of based on the experience my wife and I had when we went to the British Museum. You know, and just kind of looking at the, you know, <laughs> having really odd interactions in that space. You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful museum, though. Really amazing people that work there. But, you know, it's complicated, right? You know, as, as all museums, all museums are and probably should be. Watching me ever since I walked in. But you ain't checking for what you put in your body. All right, mate, that's not it. Come on, mate, time. It really, and th I think this is one part in the film where I think it really, he really says something. He calls her out on on these antiquities. And um, I'm not sure to talk politics. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we shouldn't, you should, but, you know, um, that's... Uh... I'm going to take a break. You'll see lots of blues just in the set, too. Yeah paintings, dots of blue, any time that I think Killmonger was around was the thing that we really tried to do. Yeah, we kind of skipped past. Nabia was an amazing actress um, who was a barista who uh, executed uh, Killmonger's plot. And, and here we meet Claw, who we saw before in Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, we were really getting into getting into who he is here. And for us, Claw was always like kind of a, you know, we wanted him to feel like a wild card. You know what I mean? We wanted him to feel like a live wire who's dangerous, but you also didn't ever, never really knew what to expect from him. It's obviously a high scene. You know, again, you can see the blue. That's you know, that's all over the scene, even outside for overcast type feel. Um, and, and also introducing, you know, that Claw has this special, you know, this special weapon that's very powerful. You get a little taste of it here. He literally says it's just a taste. It's just a taste. Just a taste. Yeah, <laughs> get a taste of that there. And we really want to, you know, show Killmonger observing the fact that he has this weapon. Um, you know, which comes into play with the idea of him setting to Chala, setting him up to maybe be. Uh, potentially captured by T'Challa, but, you know, Killmonger's pretty confident that with that weapon, you know, Carl be able to hold his own. You better sell that quick. <laughs> I saw that he sold. Whatever you try, the Wakandans are probably Here, show you know, Killmonger kind of uh, takes this mask back. He, he wants a little extra piece, a little souvenir for himself. And it took us a while to design that mask, um, but it's kind of a combination of many different animals that you'll find on the continent. You know, you got the antelope antlers, you got the, you know, a simian face, you know, and also the lion, the lion kind of mane. This idea that he's an amalgamation of all these different things. <laughs> Ambulance pulling off. Yeah, you know, leaving in plain sight. Oh, Warrior Falls. Yeah, Warrior, Warrior Falls, man, taking this back. So here you kind of get an introduction of the different tribes. You see uh, Nakia and her element, uh, played by the, play, the River Tribe Elder, played by Isak Dibankole. And just going in, boom. This shot going in, is, you know, full CG shot, worked on by uh, our amazing uh, visual effects editor, Jeff Bauman.
looking at the RTF or the Royal Thomas Fire, we call it the RTF. You know, Hannah kind of designed it to look like a mask from the top down. One thing that I really like is on the bottom, we got these sonic things. And they kind of remind me of subwoofers. You know, you see it kind of, kind of rubbing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we no. had a great art director on that. Oh, the yeah, rocks, so, so, the so Orbi Gorge It's when we get into the uh, underground view of uh, all the Wakandas in, at the amphitheater city. You want to talk about building that? Oh, hand? man, this was a giant build. It was on the back lot in Atlanta. It was about 120 feet wide and about from the ground up 40 feet tall with about 150,000 gallons of water running through it. Of course, it was extended by VFX, but um, that's what the build was. And it was really when we were in Oribe Gorge um, that when I saw that rock, I was like the way that it was layered and shaled. It was so beautiful with the dark blacks. And we saw that everywhere, though, the, the, where there was like a black. Remember you saw that? that one, we were up in um, Winterton. You're like, is that vibranium? Mm -hmm. Where it was just a shiny, like crazy, mm -hmm. beautiful. So we wanted, I think the water was really important to Ryan. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just created such beautiful uh, graphic nature of everything. But yeah, the colors are the from the red of the of South Africa that we saw, so. But this is, yeah, here's yeah, Zuri in his purple. Yeah, so we see Zuri again in his purple. The face paint on, uh, on Zuri was kind of inspired by uh, some shaman and warriors in Papua New Guinea. Um, I was kind of like the, you know, Forrest kind of picked that out. We thought it was brilliant because uh, it felt like they were, were kind of trying to evoke a leopard to spot him. You know, got the same kind of body paint on uh, T'Challa's chest, but that his is obviously black and being a Black Panther, a little bit of blue detail. Little Lion King shot out with the the sharp across his forehead. How many days did you shoot on this set? I can't remember. I think I want to say between this fight and the fight with Killmonger, probably between 12 and 15. Yeah, almost two weeks. That's what yeah, I thought, about two Between weeks. 12 and 15 days. Yeah. Um, you know, so this we used to see it. Yeah, our Tari tribe. Yeah, we seen different tribes. That's Miss Dorothy. She was Miss Dorothy is in our 90s. She was a little fireball, man. Yeah. She was like such a cool woman. Yeah, you got two. You got two. We just blew past Daniel Kaluuya and uh and, and Danny Sapani, two British actors named Daniel. Uh, both really good. Himba uh, and Con uh, yeah, Connie and then Masai inspired. Is there any member of a royal blood who wishes to challenge? And you gonna see Shuri, uh, Shuri with the fake out here. Mm -hmm. Um. This fake out was actually a suggestion by uh by, by Donald and Stephen Glover of Atlanta and Charles Gambino fan. Talk about the corset. Uh, my wife, my wife is talking. Is telling us oh, we talk right. about the corset. But yeah, but that, the that, that's corset. the Dinka corset uh, inspired by the corset. It's the Dinka. It's just the Dinka tribe where he got the Jabari tribe's interest. Uh, this cra what it's crazy. What does he say? Because I, I've heard a lot of people say it a <laughs> yeah, lot of different I, ways. Yeah. Yeah. When he's coming out. Can you run that back then to the Jabari come out? You don't want to, okay. Nah, but it's yeah, really but, but lovely. It's, 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 yeah. <laughs> they have an Igbo accent or a Nigerian accent. Um, and it's crazy seeing seeing people embrace this scene. Because um, uh, it was always one of our favorite scenes in the, in the office when we, were fit, when we were editing it and shooting it. But now people are doing like the Mbaku Challenge now. Yep. But this is Winston Duke um, coming out. Uh, and, and, and a big inspiration for me with this scene, actually, crazy enough, was the film Lincoln. 
Um, I thought that Lincoln, uh, you know, this came out 2013. Shane did Fruitville. But I remember seeing it and thinking, like, oh, man, these political scenes really interesting. Like, when they're in the house and they're arguing these political things in real animated ways. So I thought, of the, you know, I, I, and, I, and, like, you know, if you know African culture, man, like, this, we such an animated people. You know what I'm saying? And, and I thought it would be great if this dude comes out with these political arguments, but it's also, like, a challenge to the child's masculinity. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and he's doing those things at the same time. We will not have it. I said we will not have it all. I. Baku in the comics is kind of, you know, and he's, he's in this ape, so this is extremely problematic. You know, we wanted to make his character one of, of dignity. You know what I'm saying? We wanted him to be sexy, and which y'all yeah, <laughs> can't take no credit for that. You know what I'm saying? That's all. That's all Winston. But um, you know, we, we also want to invoke they, you know, worship a deity that's different from the animal god that the Panther tribes worship. Um, and you, you'll see the white paint on his back, symbolizing that he's a silverback, symbolizing that he's a leader of the tribe. And, and it's interesting because the Jabari tribe don't have an elder to speak for them. You know, to, mm. you know, uh, and Baku was a young leader you know what i mean and he's kind of like he's got that he's got that kind of acumen you know he's the same age as t'challa you know he, he he comes and speaks for himself let the challenge begin getting into this fight was bananas man they, you know you had the guys in you know they in, in six inches of water that's pumping over the edge having to do this choreography you know, and each time, each, each, each with each hit, you know, the, both the door and the uh, and the Jabari warriors have to step in. We kind of blew past a musical cue, which is like the choo that you hear with the door. And the first time you really hear it, you know, is when is when you know he calls the door out and, and the knife slams our spear, and they, and they come down. You know, so we, so we really wanted it to be intense here, and, and the music here is it's really intricate. You know, Ludwig Göransson, our uh, our incredible composer, um, you know, did, did some amazing work, man. And he actually, when we first, you know. Uh, found out we were doing this, he actually just, you know, he and his fiance just flew to Africa and, and stayed in Senegal for about a month, you know, um, you know, researching and, and making music and, and living with the musicians, you know, and it informed a lot of the stuff that you, you know, that you hear on this beautiful score. But here you got the, you got that moment, you know, that, you know, kind of what you think is the darkest hour in this fight for T'Challa, and here you get a, a little bit of the motif of um, showing him who you are, but names are a big motif in the film. Names, you know, it's just a big thing. He's actually gonna scream his name out, and the idea is that T'Challa gets his worth from his identity. You know what I mean? You know, for him, you know, he sees his father T'Chaka as you know the greatest king to ever live. You know what I'm saying? So he has his self worth because he's T'Chaka's son. He she yells that out. You know, I'm T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka, and that gives him the energy there. You know, coupled with his sister's cheers and his mom's and his mom's cheers to to come through and get him into this to this variation of a, of a leg choke here, and it's gonna go to, a, it's gonna transition to a, to a type of like inverted triangle choke. Hope I'm not blowing that for my fight guys out there. And he's, you know, dangling over the edge here. Um, this moment works really great in 3D, actually. Uh, it was one of, the, one of the moments that I, you know, I looked at in the film, me and Zinzi, um, said, well, this really, this really works here. Um, so many people have said they love it in 3D. Yeah. I need to see that yeah. in 3D. It was this scene when I saw it in 3D, I was like, oh, this is a 3D movie too, you know? And here's a big moment too. You see, T'Challa is a merciful, merciful guy. You know what I mean? He doesn't enjoy attacking people's lives. You know, and he kind of reminds Mbaku here that look, you're a great leader. You know what I'm saying? Your tribe needs you. You don't need to die. You know, right here for your honor. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's not do that. Um, and if you know, you know, spoiler alert, it ends up being something that 
ends up helping him in the in the long run. You know, um, he got the one arm. He got he gets his arm cut, so he got one arm up. It's a little bit of symbolism there. And here, you know, once again, you see the necklace. You know what I'm saying? The value of the necklace. You know, and the idea is that that was, the, that was Bashanga's necklace. You know what I mean? And it goes on you in this ceremony. And you see the bond between him and, he and Zuri as well. Dance from the door. Mm -hmm. Going up and it's, you know, Jeff Bauman and those guys extending that that, that cliff for us. It's a big pull-out shot there. You wanna talk about City of Dead? Uh, City of the Dead. This is one of my favorites. Um, really like just, you know, I think that Sam Sara was a big inspiration for how that big wide shot looked coming in. Mm -hmm. And it's in the jungle. And I Ryan, you always talked about it being like kind of in this in this overgrown. jungle. Yeah, overgrown mm -hmm. jungle. And that's sort of how we you know, felt about the herb being uh, growing inside of this sort of sacred temple where, um, you know, the heart-shaped herb and the death herb are growing, and we have this dirt center, and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I did a color purple, you know, I did a color purple being like, you know, it comes from this plant. That's why the folks who are religious in the film and the spiritual leaders of the film wear the color purple because, you know, it comes from this purple plant is the idea, and here you got young, young T'Challa, Looking at his father, and then you, you see them age, and that within that touch, which was a great cut, mm. put together by our editorial uh, guys there. And this idea of like praising the ancestors, like, and you have young people present, uh, you know, you know, as well as old. Um, this idea of the full circle, you know, um, and then seeing, uh, you know, and then seeing the events of Civil War. This actually footage from the from the film here. a little bit of a Jesse, we call it the Jesse James warping effect that we put on in post. Um, you know, it's kind of a, uh, almost like a tilt shift lens in effect. Um, shouts out to Roger Deakins. You know, uh, and, and we bury him, you know, we want him to experience death. And you see that he gets buried kind of similar to a lot of poses that you'll see in statues from the continent. Um, it's kind of the Wakanda Forever salute there. We kind of got it from the, you know, the pharaohs and, and also, you know, West African sculptures that you'll see when, when, when the arms are folded over like that. Um, it also means um, a hug or, or, or love in, in ASL, American Sign Language. That's kind of where we got the Wakanda Forever salute from. You know, so then he's coming out of the dirt and approaching. Uh, he's, he's approaching uh, these trees. And this, and this idea is that, you know, T'Challa's gotten the, the herb before he's experienced these, uh, these hallucinations, these spiritual journeys, these vision quests, so to speak, before. But this is the first time he's done it since his father has been dead. So it's new for him here, and he's expecting to see his father, but he sees him here, and, and we kind of went through a lot of different iterations of what this place was going to look like. You yeah, know? from <laughs> um, from just fantastical and yeah. something way out there that you wouldn't, you know, that was more like a idea within your uh, mind's eye to, you know, once we were in South Africa and up in Spienkamp and... You know, seeing these grasslands with all these like acacias dotted through it, which I think mm -hmm. you know you see a lot in films about Africa, mm -hmm. and it's not Africa, but we wanted to mm -hmm. have that mm -hmm. texture in there mm -hmm. in the grasslands and how they really feel. So that was really important that when right. we went there, that that sort of changed for us. Right. And here you see those like the streaks, those are royal borealis. That's where we kind of worked that purple in because we wanted that to still still be present, like as if he's feeling the effects of that plant that he drank. 
ukuhlala uzilungiselela ukuba ikumgane ndikufundisa and this is a big big part of me that I speak in English, which is a South African dialect uh, that we kind of use for Wakandan. And I thought it was great to see these two, you know, father and son speaking that, you know, tr traditional African dialect here. And here T'Challa is admitting his weakness, um, but he also states his flaw as well as his mission for the film. Um, and he's asking his father how to, you know, to tell him how to best protect Wakanda um, because he wants to be a great king like him. And that idea of his, of his um, de definition of a great king as being like his father uh, and that being li a limiting thing, you know, it's kind of showing that T'Challa's too stuck in the past. And that's, that's just the flaw that he needs to conquer in the film. And that his, his view of his father is, is, is limited. You know, um, it's, not, it's not a total view. Uh, his father even asks, has he ever let him down? T'Challa says, no, you know, it's kind of impossible to live a whole life to never let somebody down. But his view of his father is that. He's got him up on his pedestal, as well as the past, and what past kings have done up on a pedestal. And, he, and, and it's, it's his destiny, you know, and being a good man. You know, in our, in our view, working on the script, is, you know, T'Challa's the best king that has ever been. Breathe. T'Challa. Breathe. Breathe. big thing for me was just, like, seeing seeing people of different age ranges, you know what I mean? Seeing young people, seeing older people. You know, a place isn't real to me so I see people across all different walks of life. And then I think that, you know, like the young folks is who kind of like gives a place its life. So I wanted to know like, where do the young, where, you know, where do the, the 20s, the 30s, you know what I mean? Like, where do they hang out at? You know what I mean? Like, and, and that was a big thing. And also and the place isn't real to you see somebody eat. Yeah, yeah see, <laughs> see, see somebody eat something. Every movie, food. Yeah. You'll notice the food. <laughs> and that was a big important part. So we got Bri, and we had somebody come in who understood how it's cooked, understand, understood how to cook it, to prep all of our Bri cooking for the day. And it is being cooked while we're filming that day. Yeah, and Bri is a South African term for barbecue meat. Yeah. And then um, what was the what was the coffee? That we had yeah we had yeah we had yak butter yeah we had yak butter tea yeah yak butter tea yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the idea of, of uh you know like you, you can feel tradition in, in food you know what I'm saying and, and that's an African thing man like you know Africans eat they eat communal ways you know they, we eat with our hands you know what I'm saying you know you see that lady back there with a vibranium fork but <laughs> but but I mean I, I think it's you know it's, it's a we wanted it to feel real you know what I'm saying and and, and we wanted it to feel to feel lived in you know so that people. Yeah. You know, a big goal for us was like, man, if, if we can have people feel like they can go to Wakanda after this movie's over, you know what I'm saying? It feels that real. So stubborn, you would make a great queen. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. Ah, if, if that's what I wanted. When we were uh, scouting South Africa for, for researching with a crew, we came across a, uh, a rhino. In, uh, was that Spin Comp? Was no, it was Spin Comp. Spin Comp. Uh, it was a game reserve, and the rhino's name was M20. And he was the most impressive thing I ever seen in my life. And that was kind of, you know, what we named Wakali's rhino. We named him M20 after that rhino. He had this most amazing looking horn. And when we landed, we found out that they, to protect him from poachers, they ended up having to cut it. But, you know, M20's horn lives on yeah. in our film. In our film. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's actually a horse who uh, who Daniel fed that apple to. And, and, and you know, Bauman and the guys at VFX, they wrapped the digital rhino around the horse. Yeah, it was a Clydesdale because they have the same gait as a rhino. So their hips move sort of in that same sort of lumpy way that a rhino moves. So we had a big old Clyde. I think his name was like Champion or something. He was big and he wasn't nice. <laughs> I said it. But, you know, we wanted to do the traditional cattle fence by using 
um, regular branches that were cut, nothing, you know, planed or anything. Just always just using what's there in nature instead of creating more and wasting more. It's always this sort of simpatico relationship. Identified Wakandan artifact was stolen yesterday from a British museum. You know, these pyramids that you see them sitting on top of, they're, they're actually sitting on top of a pyramid. And, and Hannah had this brilliant idea to come up with of, of this idea that they've built around, you know, several different structures. And this pyramid, you know, with the Timbuktu soft scaffolding uh, that you see in the top down shot is the first kind of temple, first kind of. You know, palace. Yes, the first palace um, in Mali. So a lot of the mud palaces and the um, pyramids in Mali are go date back before 4th century, I believe. They're very old. I, I, think, I believe it's before 4th century. Don't quote me on that one. So, But to me, in my mind, it felt like uh, for years they have been coming and communicating and counseling and solving problems on this spot and that it has not changed and so as as they progress and the world progresses around them they're still and ryan you said something really important to me when i was starting to kind of work remember the old part of town north triangle and yeah. i put it on the glass yeah and you had said they would touch it they wouldn't yeah like in the west we like put everything in glass like you see in the british yeah. museum but they yeah. would want to interact with it and touch it so very much a part of their lives and not just this old thing that they must protect it's it's, it stays young because they're still interacting with it. So that's what, uh, you know, I, had, I kept in mind going forward from, from that about, about that. But we wanted it to be regal, but we didn't, we wanted it to feel intimate at the same time because there's intimate things that happen in there with Nikia, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Okoye having a conversation and, right. and then all the decisions being made. Oh, my favorite set of them. Yeah, <laughs> in, in contrast too. So you know, we fly here into Mount Bashanga is what we call it, but especially where the like, vibranium reserves are. This is where the meteor hit and, and embedded itself in the land, and they mine this. And here's here's where we meet Shiri, and this is uh, Hannah's favorite set. I think about this lab that this core piece was at one time tens of you know thousands of years ago. That was a giant drill. That's what they drilled with. And we had a wonderful um, artist, Brandon Sadler, who's a local to Atlanta, design and paint the piece on the core. Um, this is a great part too. You have to talk about the shoes because everybody loves oh that so God. much. <laughs> Man, it was it was something that we came up with. You know, this, this idea of. Uh, of, of Shuri being, um, you know, having exposure to the outside world, but having exposure to it through the internet and through movies. And, you know, we wanted to find a way to have her, you know, talk about her relationship with her father, but do it in a way that wasn't sad, you know what I mean? And do it in a way that, you know, that's kind of fun, that's in the spirit of, of who Shuri is, you know, and it's unexpected, you know what I mean? Like in earlier draft, she was like, she would talk about how sad she was that her dad was gone, but then we kind of put it in, in this context. It was always kind of in this context of, of him being a fan of Back to the Future. So, you know, we thought it was a cool way to talk about it. And then for her to kind of be into this vine, this old vine, you know, um, uh, what it all is vine, uh, would be a way to show that she has access to the internet and an interest in the, in the outside world, um, which will kind of pay off a little bit, a little bit later in the film, I think. Interesting. Guess what I call them? Sneakers. Because you... If you're going to take on claw, you need the best the design group has to offer. And here again, we get to the hint of it being two Panthers out there. You know what I mean? You know, you see the old suit that T'Challa kind of designed. In the comic books, T'Challa's a scientist, you know, as well. 
Um, so we went to show that he, you know, that's kind of his design. She kind of trashes his design a little bit and shows him these two things that she's been working on. We see a traditional necklace, but right now he's looking at that herringbone right there. It's kind of more like that necklace we saw in Jobu, um, where uh, he picks the traditional one, the more subtle one, um, the one that's more in his in his zone there. She uses the Kamoyo beads. Shout out to Tanahashi and Brian Stelfreeze, Kamoyo beads there to get it activated. And we get a feel for that purple, and we see how this suit works. You know, it comes on in a different in a different way, kind of nanotechnology style, but still sticking with the sibling relationship here, you know. Still sticking with this idea of her uh, playing jokes on him. And in this film, once again, one of the themes in it is, is tradition versus innovation. And what you see a lot of times are characters who are uh, the opposites, who are in scenes together. And that's what it's about. This whole scene, Shuri's basically just making fun of her brother for being old school. You know, that's all she's doing. Like, I got new, I got new stuff for you. You got stupid shoes on. Get with the new, <laughs> get a new suit. You know what I mean? That's, it's kind of like a, it's a cue scene from James Bond, but it's also... You know, you're getting the vibe that she's trying to get him out of his old ways. You know what I mean? She's stuck in a rut, and she makes fun of him for it. And through that relationship, I think, um, you know, we get a lot of life, you know, into this film. And we got Busan here. That's really Busan, and then this brings us to Atlanta. Where, <laughs> where, you found where, the old artist, uh, <laughs> sort of like a back, a bunch of warehouses, sort of back. It was sort of this empty alley, kind of really cool. I think when I initially saw it, I was like, it reminded me of the fish market. We walked through the fish mm. market, and so we just recreated that uh, fish market. Everything is pretty practical, except for the. Uh, Way. And I think that, and that's the one thing I love about Panther is that as we did so much of VFX in the background, because yeah. there's so much built, there's so much that we put texturally in camera mm. Um, mm. that it just, I think that's another reason people feel a difference yeah. here. Yeah, we also spent time in, in Busan. Like we yeah. went as a crew to Busan. That's where we got the idea for this. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was me, you, and Nate talking, actually. Yeah, we remember? We were a gangster street. We went to all these great the places. Yeah, and, and Ryan comes up to me and he says, because we had been going around about, what is yeah. this casino? What is this yeah. whole, how do we yeah. do this? And we were in the fish market, yeah. and he says, what if they walk through the fish market yeah. in their, like, yeah. beautiful clothes and go yeah. into this really high end? And there was, was a suggestion from from, uh, from Nate, too. From another, Nate, another yeah. one of our... You know, it's another one of our our, our motifs, which is hiding in plain sight. Yep. You know, um, what kind of hides in plain sight? This casino hides in plain, plain sight. sight. Right. Expect the unexpected. You know what I mean? You don't expect to go out to an old lady who's selling fish and know that she has this, you know, amazing casino in her back pocket. It's a two-story casino you know, back there. And you know, as soon as y'all said that, I just ran with I was like, that's it. That's yeah. it. Because we had been trying to crack the code for yeah, so long, and yeah. it just made so much sense. So yeah, it was just, just like dive in and just make it beautiful because I knew it was going to get yeah. destroyed. And, and this casino was mostly practical here. You know, yeah, uh, everything but the ceiling. Yeah. And, you know, what's also cool about the color story here is something I was conscious of was putting... You know, um, you know the Pan African bent to how he made the film and, and the story. And you know, when T'Challa's running around, he's gonna be kind of flanked by Koya and the kid for most of the second act. Um, and that idea that together they kind of make the Pan African flag the, with the uh, the red, black, and green there. And you see it in Cush. Isa. Americans. This is you know this is kind of our espionage scene here. They talking, 
country. Um, with, their, with their communicators that, you know, sure you got them. Five. How could you miss Grace Lightning there behind you? Six. Just spotted an old friend who works for the CIA. It just got a little more complicated. Agent Ross, your highness. You are buying from Klopp. What I'm doing or not doing on behalf of the U.S. government is none of your concern. And then you meet the Martin Freeman character mm -hmm. here, who uh, who works as an uh, espionage agent for the states. And we also met in Civil War when he was trying to track down Bucky Barnes. T'Challa, he had an interaction there, and the idea was they kind of took care of each other in that interaction. And as a result, they know each other. T'Challa knows that he, he works for an agency that you know, they'll be in odds with sometimes. But um, he knows that they have a personal relationship, so he knows he feels like it's somebody who he can who he can trust on a personal level. You know what? I think I'll just take these, bring them over here. He's got Stan Lee there, taking T'Challa's money. The thing he likes the most about T'Challa is that he's rich. <laughs> he, he reminded me of that that day, so he thought it was cool that he could uh, T'Challa could just leave all that money behind. There's nothing to him, you know. So Stanley kind of comes in, and cleans it up. From the attack on links back to a you know, here Ross is trying to work a deal out with T'Challa, and T'Challa's like, oh, "I'm not making a deal. It's dead or alive for this dude, you know." You and me can work something out. I'm not here to make a deal. We got Clark pulling up, playing. You know, we thought it would be cool if he was like a fan of, of hip hop music. You know, so he pulls up, you know, playing White Dave real loud. He knows the casino owner real well. And they all come in hammered up. So the idea was they all walk in strapped. And Metal Detective's just going off like crazy and nobody, you know, nobody's, nobody's stopping him. And, and, and you know, here's where we, you know, here's where we get into it, man. The scene was we shot the scene pretty early, you know. It did. It was it was intense. It was super <laughs> intense, and there was a lot there was a lot of rehearsals in it yeah. as we were building it. So so much was going oh, on, and you know, we're we're putting all the finishes on. They're doing rehearsals. We're trashing we're, it, yeah. We're we, got, <laughs> we got we got cardboard cardboard crap tables cardboard, trying to rehearse, yeah. moving them, kicking them, and. I'll send you the SoundCloud link if you like. Hey Dave, can you get the uh, link to the Please, don't make me listen to your music. I just meant you got a lot of people with you. <laughs> you think they're for you? Don't worry. I can do a deal with you all by myself. Thank you very much. Six more. It's a setup. You've got the diamonds. Okay. That's enough. We need to move on, Claw. Stand down. We can't afford a shootout. My brainy? And then we get to the idea here that just set up here for uh, for Ross. And we want this to feel like a drug deal, you know, um, as if uh, in Ross's mind, he's doing this illicit deal to get vibranium out of the hands of somebody as dangerous as Claw. It's a deal that he's willing to take. He's willing to get dirty to do this, to do this thing. But Claw kind of has no intentions on selling this to him. You know, he's going to rob him and take the diamonds too. So here, uh, you know, here we get into to the action starting. Touch that to the foot. This is a one or where the action starts, right? Uh, it doesn't get into the one or until later. We we were intending to do the whole thing as a one, um, but we ended up abandoning that idea for the second impact. So this, you know, this is a pretty long take here, but it's gonna cut right there uh, for impact shot. So we're all shooting here. You know, that's, that's a little extra piece that we did later. Shouts out to Andy Gill, jo Jojo, Subio. Um, that's a one right there. That's gonna mm -hmm. cut for that mm -hmm. impact here. And then here, here's, the, here's the big one that's, that's gonna start there. 
Love that. She's a nod going crazy with the vibranium spirit here. Peeks it, boom, takes it across his face, catches him, hits him in the nuts. Get him out of there. He took that big fall there. Down. And then we hide mm. one there. Mm -hmm. Come up through here. This is all, this is all one here. I mean, those ladies, Yeah. they were doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's know. all, that's all our actors. Yeah. That's all our actors. I would watch yeah. Lupita and Deny train and, and you yeah. know, it was amazing. Yeah. And this is and this stunt was this stunt was bananas. You know, this is the one right here where um, you know, you're just gonna switch hands and this is where we see the claw cannon right here, the sonic cannon, the modified sonic cannon. So Charlie's gonna break the impact with that with that change card. Money's gonna go over there. But that was a real stunt mm, that uh that, that Kofi Charlie's double there did. From one story down to, 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 to from second story down to the first story onto a breakaway crabs table. It was nuts. It was intense. Oh, that was awesome, This awesome. is Atlanta here, Atlanta. You know, and then it's, you know, Atlanta. Atlanta. You know, I thought I'd come out B, get it in there. Bring Shuri in. And here we could probably just talk about a little bit of the music too, man. This mm -hmm. is, uh, Big soundtrack piece. We kind of blew past the weekend song, which was an amazing cut when they walked into the casino. Um, here, sure you go. It's kind of the funny game section here. Yeah, like this is her sand table. Sand table, yeah. yeah so sand this, table develops. Yeah. The seat that she that she sits on and, and the steering wheel she draws. First time we see this this new suit in action. You know, shouts out to Kevin Feige who wanted it to be like the most epic moment possible. Kept pushing this. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, you know, and here we get into some of the work that the amazing Darren Prescott, our second unit director, executed for us. Uh, you know, mixed, mixed with what we were doing back in Atlanta. And shout out to Jesse Rosenthal, who's the art director, the art director over in uh, yeah. South Korea, Busan, for yeah. about three months yeah, and over we, there you know, with the crew. Yeah, for the previs, that stuff. And, and Darren, and Darren's amazing. He did Drive and, and you know, the John Wick stuff. He did, he did uh, Baby Driver, all the car stuff and Baby yeah. Driver. He's incredible, man. Great guy to work with. I love it's this a, right here. It's a big moment here. When you kind of, you know, you, and you seeing, you know, once again a traditionalist pair with an innovator, T'Challa and Shuri, and also on the other side we got, you know, a traditionalist and a Koye pair with an innovator with the kid, and just kind of the funny games that happens as a result of that. Hey, what was that? Don't worry about it. You're doing great. Big, you know, big, big car crash. It's practical there. Just getting into that, you know, getting into that good stuff. And this is all through the streets, right? This is. It's Pusan here. Yeah. Yeah, it's Pusan. Mixed with, you know, mixed with Atlanta. So primitive. It's a vibranium car, you idiots. The bullets won't penetrate. And here, here's a big call of response kind of vibe here. He's saying, you know, the car's bulletproof. And next thing you know, Deny is getting out of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, a vibranium spear through the vibranium car. Oh, action activating right there. And then she uh, throws the spear. We, we play with a lot of different things for the, for, the, for the spirit to do, man. Like, was it gonna flip the car? Was it gonna, you know, and it was like, man, let's just impale it and just have it come to a dead stop. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, <laughs> you know, um, and we were fired up about that. We love this bridge, man. This bridge this is- Guangali, Guangali. Yep, as soon as yeah. we saw this bridge, that's, yeah, and I got a picture of it from the, from where we were staying at night, and it's just beautiful. I, Busan is beautiful. Man, it's an amazing place. It's, it's an amazing place, and it was, everything is so cool. We were staying over in Silver City, and that's just like this crazy, beautiful place, so I really enjoyed it, and I think that this 
came together having done it both in Busan and two small pieces in Atlanta. Well, not the, <laughs> maybe not right. too that small. Right, I, I love that. I love that piece there. It was, it was, it was shown in every single trailer possible there, man. When he flips, you know, um, that moment. I think it's a great, great Panther moment there. And here, yeah, you see them. Cool. We, we, we had to feel like bullet, you know, because we yeah. found all, you know, we found all the streets. They reminded, they reminded me of home. Reminded me of Bay Area. Reminded me of Frisco. Um, so it was like, y'all, if we can get, you know, get, get some stuff on these streets, man, with the, car, with the cars lifting off the ground, I thought that'd be I love fantastic. that, too. <laughs> that kind of came out of previous, man. We, we, we played a lot of different things there. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Chisholm and Jeff Bowen, we played a lot of different ways from, from the end they, in their journey there. But, you know, when we first saw that, everybody fell in love with it. I'm going as fast as I can. They kind of mean that we're about to meet up with Clark in here. This bit is inspired by Bo Jackson. You know, um, and just the athleticism that you see of uh, of leverage. You know, like you see him in the wild. And for me, Bo Jackson is the most athletic human being I've like ever seen footage of. You know, that famous catch where he runs up the side of the wall. So we wanted this to feel like an elevated version of that. When Panther runs on the side of the, of the building and, and you know, lands on the car and takes it out. See the eye slots open up there. Bo Jackson, like Bo knows. Bo knows. Bo knows. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, Bo knows. Nothing to do with the movie I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> I'm a this big, was I'm Atlanta on yeah. Backlot. Atlanta Backlot. And here we kind of set up this idea that Sonic, that certain Sonic frequencies can can scramble the suit and expose it, which will pay off, which will pay off later. Andy Circus just throwing his body around, man. Jeez, what a, what an actor, man. But he would just. He would do physical things that was that was just you know that was just insane because you know his arm was really still there, but he would just take dives and falls as if it you know as if, as if it, it wasn't was you know um, just having that kind of body control and knowing the, the parameters of VFX like there's nobody I've never seen anything I've never seen anything like it. He was so impressive every day. I got that Jonathan Hickman line in there uh, from the comics. Every breath you take is mercy from me. Mm -hmm. um, I always thought that was an interesting line. We want to get that in there. Uh, to try to threat the claw. Hello. <laughs> I can see you. Okay, I can see you. <laughs> so this is a big mess, huh? I figured we could go good cop, bad cop. I'll talk to him first, then you guys go in. Yeah, so we carried this set all over the movie. The CIA set, yeah. It, it, it was like a, it was like a moving. Yeah, we got the sink in there, like it kind of. But yeah, we wanted it to feel like you see all this sort of like tech, and it's like this rundown building, and again, hiding in plain, plain sight. sight. Yeah. <laughs> that there's the CIA, and then the front is a travel agency in. Um, yeah, South and, and this just scenes about you know about privilege, about colonization, ownership, all of those different things. But he touches T'Challa. Who's dressed down, but is still a king, you know? And it's like, you know, you don't do that, you know what I'm saying? So, so Clay's like flipping out, you know, and they, they speaking in close. Oh, so Ross is in a position where he can't understand what's happening, you know what I mean? T'Challa reinitiates that contact, but he slips the bugging device onto him uh, so that they can hear what's going on inside of the inside of the, the soundproof glass there. And again, you see Ross in blue. You see, you see Claw in blue. Don't hurt me. No more. 
Baby. He's trying to make fun of me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, it's that, it's that idea. He's saying he's not scared. You know, he really shouldn't trust the gun. It's a much more your speed. I don't trust anybody, not in this job. But what I am interested in is that arm cannon out there. Where'd you get that? It's an old mining tool that I made some adjustments to, but I can, uh, I can get you one if you like. Why don't you give me the name of your supplier, and I'll ask them. He's right outside. Why don't you ask him yourself? What, T'Challa? You're telling me that weapon on your arm is from Wakanda? Bingo. What do you actually know about Wakanda? Um... Shepherds, textiles, cool outfits? It's all a front. Explorers searched for it for centuries. El Dorado, the Golden City. They thought they could find it in South America, but it was in Africa the whole time. A technological marvel, all because it was built on a mound of the most valuable metal known to man. T'Challa's listening in, hearing, like, hearing what Claw's saying, and he's kinda, he wants to see how Ross is going to react to that stuff. You know what I'm saying? He wants to see if Ross is going to come out and ask him about it straight up, you know what I'm saying, like like a straight up guy would, mm -hmm. or if Ross is going to come out and act like nothing happened. And then mm -hmm. report to his, you know, report to his superiors, you know what I'm saying, or or if he doesn't believe it at all. So so it's kind of a test, you know, T'Challa's kind of testing Ross as this is going. Every relationship is an interesting one in the comic books, but it's a, it's a relationship of, of mutual respect, and uh, it becomes a friendship. Um, so we want to play with that, and play with that a little bit here, and, and this idea of seeing a little bit of window in on how Claw became so crazy, and that seeing this place that nobody believes him about. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the one thing that could that could break his 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 jokey facade just for a split second. You know what I mean? You see how dangerous he is, and he kind of snaps at the idea of, of, of him taking all of the vibranium. He's like, yo, there's tons of it left that I've been trying my whole life to get back to, you know? And I think that that's when he kind of jumps out, you know, jumps out at, uh, you know, jumps out at Ross there. And this idea of this arm being rigged to track and being rigged to scan, mm -hmm. uh, scan environments, you know? So that's how, um, you know, that's how, that's how Claw's gang finds him. And then Kia's clocking that van. Yeah, and the kids clocking the van. She's outside, kind of watching, and again hiding in plain sight. You know, they come in in a paint, in a Korean paint truck, and they got a special cargo in the back seat that happens to be none other than this guy. And blue is everywhere when blue, he pulls in, all down ready. the side yeah. of the wall, on yeah. on the back of those doors, and then you'll see when he puts up the um, explosive. That whole wall is also blue graffiti. I was having fun with that at one point. I really was like, what's blue? We need Killmonger's here. Yeah, we Killmonger's need, here. More blue. blue. Yeah. We need more blue. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was fun to, to see where we could kind of like put it. Can we hide it? Can mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. let people like find it? Yeah. Easter eggy stuff. Yeah. No, I did masks as well. You know, and, and then you see the necklace come back up. You know, he's got the necklace on. He's shooting. And he, you know, he kills these two dudes right here. Knocks those dudes down. That's Jojo, actually. One of them is our stunt coordinator. Oh, right. I just recognized that when you he said that. He got killed by Killmonger. He throws a grenade. And it's all, everything with him is tactical. You know, he throws that grenade just so he can have enough time to get out and get ready for uh, Panther, who, who he's sure is coming behind him. <laughs> T'Challa here, she's the... You know, sees the ring, and it kind of stops him and it kind of catches him off guard emotionally. There, you know, and, that, and that's kind of T'Challa's 
like we said, T'Challa's weak point is his, his weakness is his family and his ties to his father. You know, it's also a source of his strength, but in this film, it's where we uh, kind of choose to attack him. And this is an interesting part to me, the choice to bring Ross back, because it, you know, always feels like Okoye, again, sort of what I've, what you've talked about, Okoye yeah. sort of being the traditionalist and Nakia mm. being the war dog and the yeah. innovator is like, we can help him. Yeah, yeah, the, the idea that, that, um, that he just jumped in front, he just took a bullet for Nakia. Um, he came and talked to T'Challa about what Claw told him. T'Challa has our relationship with him from Civil War. So he kind of makes a game time decision uh, and chooses to, to try to save him. Um, and that's a choice that's very controversial, you know what I mean, in terms of what kind of stance in the past. But that, that idea of that past kings were not T'Challa. You know what I'm saying? T'Challa's a really, you know, a really good dude. He's got a good heart. And the job is going to be difficult to him. You know, his father kind of says that you're a good man. It's hard for a good man to be king. We kind of seeing that, the evidence that I hear. Ross works for the CIA, you know what I'm saying? It's like not, you know, you know, that agency is at, is at odds with what Wakanda is about, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's dangerous of him to do that, uh, you know, but he does it because he knows the guy and the guy took a bullet for, you know, for the woman he loves. Let him die, knowing we can save him. Where exactly are we taking him? Just a little bit about the interior of the Royal Talon Fighter. Yeah. Um, we, you know, Reiner always says like the Air Force One of Wakanda, so mm -hmm. it has the element where it's, you know, as indestructible as possible, is luxurious on the inside, also utilitarian for the things that they need. So you see Ross on the uh, sand table and, and using that as sort of like a medical emergency. Mm -hmm. So they can do so many things, and then here again. Mm -hmm. When she brings him in, you see sort of her, mm -hmm. her, Shuri is all over this lab is what yeah. I love. Like yeah. everywhere you look, there's, there's something yeah. of her. I mean, again, you know, you, you see the contrast of an innovator versus a traditionalist here. And here you kind of see that Wakabi's been kind of stewing over where Wakanda's been for the past 30 years. You know what I mean? He kind of throws some dirt onto Chaka, you know, and throws some dirt onto Chala's father's name. Um, it's the first time you hear somebody do that in Wakanda, and, and this idea that he's, he wasn't happy with where the country was going. And, you know, that hits the Chala hard because he's just realizing he's got to get some answers to what this guy was doing with that ring. Things are starting to kind of fall apart for T'Challa here. Um, he's trying to pick up the pieces. And here is an uh, abandoned airfield, as, as we call it, you know, but that's the characters are in Korea, but we were physically in Atlanta here. And this is a set we found. Hannah, you found this set. I had uh, been to that location several years prior on a smaller project and absolutely loved it, loved the people. It had such a different feel and texture. It's one of two in the country. So I just thought it's so unique. Um, and when you talked about the airfield, I was like, what about this place? So that's mm -hmm. what I really loved about it. And it's really in the middle of nowhere, so it doesn't have sort of, you know, it's a specific country, so we could kind of make it our own. Yeah, you see all of the characters are in, in the colors blue, and, and mm -hmm. uh, found that Cessna plane and, you yeah. know, and painted that blue stripe on it. We painted <clears> the whole thing, it was black. Yeah, that's right, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah so, so, so it was white and blue. Here's a shootout. It's fun because Killmonger's character is kind of going through a lot. He goes through a lot of costume changes in the film. You know, he's kind of a shapeshifter. Here you see the evidence. He's saying that you know, Wakanda's the savages. 
put this brand on me. Here you, here you first get a hint of Killmonger's scarification, uh, what it represents to him. And it's not the first time you see scarification in the film, but you know, then here you see the Wakanda tattoo. Here's a reveal of who he is. And that idea of, you know, even Claw thought Killmonger was somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Because he doesn't talk with a Wakanda accent, you know what I mean? He wears, you know, Western clothes and has this American military background. This is one of my favorite scenes in the film. It's the most important scene in the film. We actually had a chance to show the film the uh, early, early cut to Francis Ford Coppola, you know, whose work, um, you know, inspired a lot of the story. And as soon as the movie was off, it's an early rough cut. As soon as the movie was off, he was like, hey, rewind it back to the scene where everything, you know, the most important scene in the movie. I know exactly what he was talking about, you know, but it was, it was this, you know, he said the scene when everything changed, you know what I'm saying? And it, and it was, and, it, and it's this one where you kind of, you know, get to an example of the original sin of Wakanda, you know what I'm saying? And it's the original sin of T'Chaka. The stuff that set this film in motion, you know, and it's the real reason that we watching this, that we saw that first scene in Oakland, you know what I mean? We kind of get to that here. That is not possible. He helped Claw escape from us. You know, here, this film is about two of the traditionalist characters who were forced to reckon with something that went wrong, you know, were forced to reckon with an idea. Some truths are too much to bear, Dijala. That is not your choice to make. You want this scene to feel moody and, and make a lot of choices here. Photography, Rachel. And this is and here's T'Challa raising his voice. It's really the only moment in the film where he does that. You know, where he loses his temper and you see his anger and his rage. And it's still in a way that's, you know, respectful. You know what I'm saying? But he's kind of saying that, you know, I'm the king now. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm it's not my father anymore. You need to tell me what's going on. And that's kind of the, you know, that, that idea there is the key to what T'Challa has to do. We're starting to see the seeds of him, him realizing that, you know, it's a coming of age story here. You know, here's when you, you know, we, we do our flashbacks. To observe, unbeknownst to him, your uncle fell in love with an American woman. They had and this scene is very much about the past becoming present, this African concept of time being circular, your ancestors being always around. Your uncle, I observed. For as long as I could. We kind of going back and forth through time in this in the scene. We see the great Sterling K. Brown kind of laying out. You know, the struggle, you know, what kind of woke him up while he was in Oakland. And, and, and the backstory idea of it was this was through the woman who he fell in love with, the African-American woman. And the idea was that, you know, when, when you see those guys talking over that paperwork in the beginning of the film, they're trying to figure out a way to break her out. You know, she's been incarcerated. You know, they're trying to break her out of, you know, break her out of jail. You know, and the idea was that she, you know, they never got her out and she passed away in prison. So Kilmar didn't come up with a mom either. You will return home at once or you will face the council and inform them of your crimes. He threw his weapon. And here we kind of see what really happened. You know, we thought this, at the beginning of the film, we thought this was about a guy who had gotten taken back to Wakanda. But here in this scene, we realized, oh yeah, he never left. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and T'Challa's realizing that Get some real strong work by our, by our editors here, you know, my you know Shaver worked on this scene, and you know you see the eyes closed to the eyes closed, and be going from from Zuri to Zuri, you know, and um in the Tondwa here, young T'Chaka, you know, nearly crying to kill to to T'Challa nearly crying in the same eye, you know, and it's this idea of the past becoming present again, you know, there's this wound being fresh, and here's the scene, the ultimate scene of what kind of did they abandoned. You know, they abandoned this, this child and it's representative of 
all of the bad decisions that they made about the outside world. Um, it's all kind of, you know, manifested in this. And Zuri's upset because he knows what was wrong. Maintain the light. So this idea of uh, having to maintain the lie, and the lie is that, you know, the lie can represent a lot of different things, but the lie here is that, it's that they're different from the other African folks all over. You know what I'm saying? It's, and here's a homecoming scene, which should be celebratory for, for Kilmarie. We see that, you know, he bring back a dead body, you know, <laughs> and, and he brings it to the border tribe. And obviously he left, he was left that book from his father. So he knows how, what kind of works, you know, and he knows what Claw means to the border tribe. Cause that was, a, that was where Claw attacked, you know, and he happens to get, you know, Wakali kind of runs the border charge. So when somebody approaches the border, that's who walks up. And here, one of the biggest motifs in the film is the motif of identity. You know what I'm saying? So you see this question asked often, who are you? You know, and as we left with a mysterious question and answer cut, you know, um, but that idea that Killmonger has many names, you know what I'm saying? And he's representative of African-Americans, you know what I'm saying? African-Americans have had many, many names over the, you know, over the course of our history. It, you know, it went from slave to Negro, you know what I mean, to uh, African-American, you know, to black, you know what I mean? It's all these, all these different names for us that, you, you know, it's just, that we've been called over time. And, and as a result, in this film, Killmonger has a bunch of different names. Like, people don't know, people kind of just trying to figure out who he is, you know what I'm saying? And even here, you know, the identity plays here. Like, Ross is trying to figure out where the hell is he? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, you know, it's this little girl doing right, it here, you know I? what I mean? And she, you know, she calls him a colonizer, you know what I mean? He's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, he, that's not my name. She's like, I don't know your name, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got, that's, that's your name, but you're also that too. Former Air Force pilot and now CIA. Right. This concept of him kind of trying to be confused and play catch up here, you know, um, okay. at the same time. No, uh, it was a really fun scene, man, and, and, and uh, a lot of great contributions from uh, from my co-writer here, Joe Robert Cole. Uh, you know, keeping this fun and light, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's, it's heavy, you know what I mean? Like, for this teenage African girl to call this, this government agent, you know, a colonizer, and tell, and, and tell him, yo, you need to stay, don't touch anything in my my, in my shop, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, my brother would be back, you know, but not even not only that, like, my brother trusts me to be in here with you, so... And, you know, she's working with some pretty powerful weaponry there. We, we'll see, you know, later on. And there's the idea here of, of you know, Ross being a kind of avatar or a surrogate for the Western world. You know what I'm saying? He comes to Wakanda and he's going to ask these plot-driven questions. Like, well, what is this I'm looking at? How does this work? You know? And it's also kind of loaded because I think audiences are looking at it like, yo, this is a CIA agent. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you shouldn't tell him this stuff. You know? Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because the Wakanda had a leg up on him at all times. They, you know, for us, you know, and I think other other African countries rightfully show they should fear espionage agents. But for the Wakanda, it's just like, yo, what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you you here, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going nowhere if we don't want you to. And if you did, there's nothing really y'all could do to us. You know what I'm saying? So so it's a really interesting uh, fearlessness that they have about him, specifically Shuri, you know, and T'Challa. Um, you know, uh, and I think that, you know, for Shuri, she figures, that, you know, if, she, she, if he brings Ross back, he, he must trust him, you know, she, and she trusts her brother, you know what I'm saying, as a judge of character. So I think that all of that, you know, all of that is there. And here's a big thing right here, because Ross actually tells him he's not Wakanda. You know, he's one of ours. 
you know, and by one of ours, he's somebody who's American, who's in the American military system, you know. Ross feels like he knows Killmonger, you know what I'm saying? He knows him as an American guy. Mm -hmm. He's not a Wakandan. He's one of ours. We picked this location from South Africa, a location that we that we scouted called Three Rondavos. Um, it was a location Hannah really loved. It was wonderful. It was at uh, World's End. And it just, we all stood out there. It was one of those times as we were kind of traveling through South Africa. And I think by the, you know, everything that you see in South Africa, you sort of like don't understand the uh, size of everything is so big. And, you know, your per perception of what things are kind of off. And you're asking yourself, like, who am I? Where am I? Like, you know, how emotionally you are. You know, T'Challa's kind of superpower is that he knows who to trust. You know what I mean? And he goes to Nakia. She's the only person he, who he tells about this horrible thing he just found out. You know, and he, he's telling her not, not just to get it off his chest, but to get her advice. You know, because he values it. You know, at the beginning of the film, he's, gra he's, he's getting her for the ritual. You know what I mean? He wants her around. He wants her to be able to advise him in these types of, these types of points. The scene is very personal for me. Um, you know, represents situations I've been in with my wife. You know what I'm saying? With my mom when I was young. You know, um, but the big thing here is she's telling him, look, you know, you got to be the king that you want to be. You know, you get to decide that. She's basically telling him, get out of the past, you know, which is his flaw. Um, your father your father can't define you, which is his flaw that he has to learn to get out of, you know, and, and make moves that are best for his country right now, you know what I mean, and to live in the present and listen to his heart, which is something he's still struggling to do. Uh, you know, it's what the film's about. Here, you know, here's where having Ross in the script kind of pays off because this idea of, you know, he's running down what Killmonger was to the American government, you know what I'm saying? What he was, you know, how he got that nickname Killmonger, you know what I mean? We see footage of Mike, you know, doing actual, shooting live rounds, you know, on the gun range there. But he serves as kind of a, a, a surrogate from the American perspective of who he, who he is, who he was. And here, they even ask, is he Wakandan or not? You know what I'm saying? Like, is this dude one of us or is he not? And T'Challa's not really talking. He's kind of froze right now because um, he's in a place where traditionally, you know, in the tribal council, you have to speak the truth. You know what I'm saying? And, and he wants to see if, if Killmonger's going to be the one to rip the bandaid off or if he's going to have to do it. If he was more politically savvy, I think he, he, he wouldn't even let Killmonger come in here. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but he's stuck in between like what he feels like he should do as a good man, as a good king and traditionalist. But it's kind of falling apart for him here. And this is the first time these two great actors kind of come face to face in the film. The music really kind of highlights that. You're hearing, you know, Killmonger's theme just opposed with T'Challa's theme for the first time. Uh, we play with space here, you know, it's very similar to when Mbaku and T'Challa meet for the first time. Some things are said to the, to the room, some things are said, you know, on a personal level. I want the throne. <laughs> hey, you, the tuna. And here, you know, it's this idea of identity, you know what I mean? And Killmonger comes in and change. You know, again, a, a callback to African-Americans, you know what I'm saying? You're seeing, a, you know, that forgotten child come home, you know, and, and he's, all, he's all grown up now, but yeah, he's still in cuffs. You know, um, as he's talking to these to these guys here, and he's kind of challenging him. You know what I'm saying? He's challenging him, really on a concept that the kid's kind of been talking to him about. You know what I mean? You know, the concept of Pan Africanism, and also the concept, you know, the concept of humanism. You know what I'm saying? And, and all these different things are being are being discussed here. You know, T'Challa's approaching this from a nationalistic standpoint and talking about how he just runs Wakanda. That's all he has to, that's all he can worry about. That's a great deal to worry about. That's kind of the way of the past. And Killmonger's challenging him, yo, maybe I should think bigger. You know what I'm saying? does not fall into the hands of a person like you. Son, we have entertained the charlatan for too long. 
all at the same time, this this great secret is, you know, only between these two men right now. And, and it's all, it was always interesting for us that Nakia was ever in the, in the tribal council room. You know, uh, we shot a scene with her. Right now, she's hiding Ross. That's what she's doing right now. That's not my name, princess. Ask me, King. You're the only two people here that know the truth, the full truth, or, or, or T'Challa and Killmonger. You know, and they both trying to fill each other out for how much the other one knows. You know, um, you know, and then it all comes out here. Uh, and this idea of, of uh, he, no, I actually know my African name, you know, mm-hmm. makes him different from what they think about him and being a, 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 an African from the Americas, you know what I'm saying? Because usually, you know, we don't, you know. Um, that, that stuff was lost. Uh, but for Killmonger, you know, he's a rare case where it, where it wasn't, you know what I mean? He speaks the language, you know, remembers his name, remember who, who's his father. It has it has evidence of it, you know, right here in that in that vibranium necklace. And how we kinda always saw was that Wakabi probably ran a DNA, you know, in some hut somewhere, you know, before he came. You know, before he walked in there. You know, Wakabi's kinda trying to figure out how T'Challa's gonna play it too. What is T'Challa and Wakabi's relationship? They've been friends. Yeah, they grew up together. You know, yeah, it's 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 they definitely friends. You know, they both are political animals, you know what I'm saying? And, and and that was the thing for us is getting getting Wakabi's turn that comes to be a point that it's not personal, it's political. What do you know of this? It's not so much about T'Challa as it is about how he feels like Wakanda should be run. You know, Wakanda leader, he feels like Wakanda should have. Not unlike when the kid, he wants to see Wakanda change. He doesn't want to see it stuck in the past. Here we get into one of my favorite scenes. I love this, um, the way it looks at this sort of golden yeah. night, you know, going into dusk time. Yeah. A big motif in the film are the weapons. And you see that Killmonger does something very disrespectful. He breaks the weapon in half, you know, uh, to make a shorter spear. It's a little bit of a call out to Shaka Zulu and the shorter spears um, that he developed as well. But this idea of him disrespecting tr- tradition, you know what I mean? And just breaking that traditional spear right there in front of everybody to service it to his needs. Uh, kind of shows the difference between him and the other characters, you know, and that broken spirit ends up coming back mm. later on in the film. So here, here you see Nakia joining in, in. Her perspective, Nakia's perspective is just like, man, what is, she's like, man, what is going on, man? Like, you know, why are you doing this? And again, you know, these challenges, these are old rules, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, yo, why are we still having, you know, people, you know, come out here and with their clothes off, beating the hell out of each other to figure out who's going to run the country. You know what I'm saying? I like guess it's, it's one of those things where you see Shiri, who's an innovator, and Nakia kind of, you know, they kind of poke fun at it a little bit. You know, but here it's serious. It's like, oh, snap. They're really about to do this. I lived my entire life waiting for this moment. I trained, I lied. And here, here's a real brilliant moment for Mike. And it was a moment we knew all, all you know, some folks at home would always like, you know what I'm saying, seeing Charlotte's scarification off. Uh, but it's, it's really, what this scene is really about is in his performance, he's not bragging about having done these things. If you look at him closely, he's, he's hurt that he's had to do these things. You know, it's a level of pain there. Killmonger was kind of inspired for me by, you know, one time my wife and I were in New York and we met a guy who was driving us who was a veteran. And um, he talked about some of the things he had to do while he was over there. And it was a matter of, it's both a pain and a matter of factness to it, you know, that, you know, that kind of stuck with me. And when it came time for us to make this film, you know, that kind of, a lot of that kind of spoke to me through Killmonger. (laughs) 
A lot of music in this scene, man. It's just, it's just insane. The sabar drums and the djembe's and the talking drums. You know, I think Ludwig's score really shines here. Uh, for a while, it's really basic and, and guttural. And actually reminds me of some of the drumming uh, back in Auckland that the guys do at uh, at the Berkeley Flea Market and at, you know, uh, the Grand Lake on the weekends. And then here, right here, where we get to the orchestral stuff, um, where it gets big into T'Challa's under theme and, and, and Killmonger's theme comes in later on soon, too. And that little moment right there is the difference between T'Challa and Killmonger. T'Challa's a good dude. He gives him a chance. You know, he could have killed Killmonger there. But instead, he cuts his face, knocks him down, and tells him to yield. You shouldn't have gave him that shot. You know what I'm saying? Because Killmonger is, is not, you know, it's not, it's not as good a dude and it's brutal. You know, one of the things that's tough about coming from the Bay Area, because I come from the same place that Killmonger comes from in the film, you know what I'm saying, is, is we often don't see people like us grow up and get old, you know what I'm saying? So we have kind of a short-sighted view of things, you know. Um, for me, I'm 31 years old, and it's, it's really weird, because for my, a lot of my life, I never really imagined myself being getting past 30. So this idea of, of a short-sightedness for the future, you know, and, and a painful reverence for the past, is kind of personified here in that how he kills you know, he kills Zuri, you know, who is the who is the storyteller and, and who is the, you know, who represents tradition, who represents all these old, this old knowledge. You know, um, for him, Zuri is Uncle James. He's this dude who betrayed his father, you know what I'm saying? So he calls him that other name and then he murders him, you know what I'm saying? Without the, you know, at the drop of a hat there, you know, and for, and for Charlotte, it's painful because not only is that his friend, but what he represents about the past, like who's going to tell our stories, who's going to cultivate the crops, you know what I'm saying? Who's going to train the, the young ones? You know, um, but Killmonger's not thinking about that, you know. And rightfully so, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's, he's got some valid arguments, he's been through some tough things. Is there nothing that can be done? Him! He's supposed to protect you! And it's a moment that should feel, you know, that should feel difficult for the audience if they're with us here, you know. Um, but it's also a moment that's graphic, you know, it's from the books. Uh, this is a great 3D moment right here. I don't know if you've seen it in the 3D. You know, yeah, but he throws them off. And this idea here of T'Challa paying for sins that he didn't commit. You know what I'm saying? You see, you should see this good man suffering for things that he had nothing really to do with. You know, he's enjoyed the benefits of, of a kind of being a fantastic place, and it's kind of helped to mold him into the great guy that he is. But that said, he's, he, you know, he fight, he knuckles up and fights a fight that's not, that's not really as a result of his decisions. You know what I'm saying? Um, and he dies for it. Uh, I think that's what, you know, what, you know, if the audience is into it, that's what should. Well, he doesn't die. You know, obviously he comes back, but, but that's what it looks like for these folks here. And they have to do that salute that represents love and, and adoration. You have to do that salute to this dude who we know is not all the way right. <laughs> you know. It's an incredible, powerful scene here. A lot of improv here with the, with the, with these two these two great actresses, but it's this idea of tradition and of innovation clashing here, you know, um, and the idea of service to a country. I had never really worked on this. I had never really seen a scene like this before. When we were all done with it, we realized that we had something special and um, you know, and timely. I think for Nakia, this idea is she's going to the best warrior in Wakanda. She's going to try to start this revolution, and she feel like she feels like she needs a Koye. And for her, it's not a question of whether or not a Koye is going to come, come or not. You know what I'm saying? She's like, come on, let's go. 
And then she realizes, oh no, you know what I'm saying? Okoye is staying, which means that this man is gonna have the full might of the Wakanda military, you know? And that's heartbreaking for Nakia. And then she challenges Nakia in terms of her service to her country. And Nakia reveals that she loves T'Challa, that she still loves him, you know? Um, which is something that we didn't really know until this moment that T'Challa's not there to hear it, you know? And then she tells Denai exactly what she's actually gonna go do. She's gonna go save the country. I save my country. If you see that when she walks in the door and leaves the door open and you see the Timbuktu pyramid, that is going down the pyramid. So the top of that right there, the top of that is what they sit on mm. in the throne room. So that goes down through that whole column. Just, you know, it's a very quick scene. It was a beautiful set, one of my favorite sets. A lot of texture taken off of a, his office was a Rondavel. And uh, we visited a Rondavel when we were up in Winterton. And now my brother. This dude, you know, we see Sherry cry here. And she's been a bubbly part of the, of the movie for the whole time. Even when she talked about her father before, you know, it was like a happy thing. And seeing her kind of broken heart and having to be consoled was important for us. Shouts out to Nate for having an idea to give uh, Ramonda a blade. Mm -hmm. But this is really interesting to me to hear is, you know, they ask who, who Ross is. And Nakia doesn't say he's a CIA agent. She said he's a friend of T'Challa's and he saved my life. You know, and that kind of idea there is, is that, you know, if he's a friend of T'Challa, that's all you need to know. You know what I'm saying? Because you know that T'Challa's a good dude and a great judge of character. And that's who he is for them right now. You know what I'm saying? Like the other part of him, you know, they'll deal with later. You know what I'm saying? To give you the powers of the Black Panther and take you to the ancestral plane. Here's another you know, very important scene. Uh, it's a scene where it's like, you know, it should be, you know, the traditional bad guy gets the power, oh, oh no, kind of scene, but we wanted to juxtapose it, you know, because for us, the film's called Black Panther, and that's a title, that's a mantle that many people have occupied, you know, and right now, you know, the, the Black Panther is Killmonger for all intents and purposes, so, so we see a little bit of him, a, a mirror image of his of his life to T'Challa's, to, to um, and we saw how T'Challa lost his father, and now we see the same thing for Killmonger, but you see Killmonger was a baby when it happened. So, so for him, it's different. And here, you know, a big juxtaposition, you know, you see when T'Challa goes to the ancestral plane, that it's limitless. He's in a place with no walls. You know, he's, in, he's, he's, he's on the continent of Africa, but here, Killmonger's ancestral plane has walls. You know, he's inside of an enclosed space. You know, he's inside of this place where he, he mirrors all this pain, you know, um, and he can't find his father. You know, uh, T'Challa saw the panther as soon as he walked in so Killmonger goes to the gun closet, which is, you know, a shout out. And if you look at the poster that's on the back wall, it's something that a lot of folks will recognize there. Uh, but, but he goes to that wall uh, and pulls out what you think will be a gun, but it ends up being this, this book, which is in Jobu's journal. And it's written like a lot of religious texts. It's written in, in two languages. So it's written in Wakandan and also in English. Hannah's, Hannah's handwriting, actually, right there. <laughs> Hannah draw this stuff up. And that's where the ring is. But as soon as he puts that ring on, you know, all of a sudden his father wakes up, so to speak. You know what I mean? His father presents himself to him. What did I tell you about going into my dreams? And on seeing his father, he's transported back to being a, a young boy. And, and I think that that is, you know, this scene kind of is where you kind of see Killmonger's perspective. You know, um, you know, in this movie, we're not going to show, we, we didn't show the, the trials and tribulations of what it means to be African-American. Uh, we felt like, you know, folks who've seen this film, you know, hopefully they've seen it. You know what I'm saying? Like in the news. 
in uh and in life, but you know it's referenced here and, and referenced in a way that we thought gave it maximum emotional reverence. And just seeing the, the difference between the interactions, like it's Killmonger's become hardened. And where I'm from, we talk about people being hard. You know what I'm saying? But he's become hard. He doesn't rush over to his father to grab him because he, cause he's afraid of letting himself feel these things. He keeps him at a distance, even though you're seeing him as a child here. Everybody dies. And he's trying to process, you know, how he feels. But we cut to Mike, who actually betrays that emotion. You know, um, and you're seeing it from, you know, you're seeing this dude who, who you're scared of who's killing all these people. You know, you see him cry at the thought of the fact that he hasn't been with his dad. Instead, we are both abandoned here. Well, maybe your home is the ones that's lost. And here he kind of says his mission statement. Maybe Wakanda's lost, and that's why they can't find this. But but his idea is he's got to bring, you know, I'm not lost, Wakanda's lost. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that contrast there. But then he wakes up angry. You know, hyperventilates, freaked out, you know, because his ancestral dream was not a pleasant one. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? His ancestral dream wasn't, you know, acacia trees and limitless skies. You know what I mean? His ancestral dream was a nightmare, you know, uh, seeing his father marooned and his father's crying. So for him, it's like, man, to hell with these herbs. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, know, you don't want to go through that again. You know? and, and then, uh, and also for him, it's a view of, you know, we're about to change how Wakanda's run. We're not going to need any more Black Panthers after me. You know what I'm saying? Because the world, we're about to flip the whole world. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, man, get rid of it. And this, and this was a scene here that we always struggle with, this idea, is he going to really grab an other like this? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and what the idea was was that, you know, come on, it's different from T'Challa. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and when you deal with revolutions, you know what I'm saying? When you really talk about revolutions, true revolutions and the violence that's necessary for those, you know, you had that violent element there. You know what I mean? And you have, and you and you'll see people who get lost in that. You know what I mean? It's almost it's almost a given. You know what I mean? It's it's a presence there, and, and it's immediate. It's an immediacy there, and Killmonger is very equal opportunistic. You know what I'm saying? With whoever is in his way is just catching the wrath of his violence. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't care who it is. You know, um, that's how he's been trained. You know what I mean? That's what he, that's how he works. Um, you know, in that shot that you see when, it, when it's burning, you still see two panthers. So for us, that was the representation of T'Challa still out there. You know what I'm saying? It's actually still two panthers. You know, um, he's not by himself just yet. You know, and, and he's flanked by two panthers in this scene when he's talking. You know, um, but also flanked by, you know, it's one of my favorite shots in the film, where you see that it's this powerful military forces behind him now. And he's brought that military element even into the tribal council. You know what I'm saying? He's got, he's got all of the guards there. You know, he, he, he's a wartime leader, you know what I mean? He's ready to, you know, he's, he's gearing them up, ready to go. I know how colonizers think, so we're going to use their own strategy against them. This concept here of, you know, for him, he's calling them out and what they've done wrong, and now he's about to, you know, now he's about to talk about how he's moving forward in the future. And this is the part of the, you know, we wanted him to talk about the, the you know, the ugly violence of revolutions, you know what I'm saying? Um, the fact that they, and he's very intent on doing to other people what was done, what he felt like was done to him and done to his people, you know, and, and Wakabi's all about it. You see him not in that shot, you know, but it's really horrific stuff he's suggesting, you know, but that's it. In his mind, that's how war goes. Again, it's how he's been trained. He's been trained one way. Absolutely necessary. Wakanda survived in the past this way, yes. But the world is changing, General. And here, Akwe is kind of offering up the reasons why this is not, you know, not the way to go. 
and Daniel, who we find out is her lover, Wakabi is her lover. You know, we find out that that he's all in. Yeah, this part for me was surprise. Not, I mean, I knew what it was because I was there when we were filming it. But like watching it in the theater, I found myself being surprised. I also found myself agreeing with Killmonger at first. Right until he starts saying. Until he starts talking crazy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then, yeah. but and then this I love. This again was practical. Um, of course, there's out of VFX, but we did this in the quarry in Atlanta. We covered everything with snow for. It was like five, seven hundred feet that we did on a road yeah. and um, on their way to Jabari. To Jabari land. Yeah, and, and, and here we, you know, we kind of came up with the idea to put the mask in the mountain, you know, as a callback to what we saw in the prologue and mm -hmm. as a callback to M'Baku, um, who's a big, massive character, but you only see him a few times in the film. So we, we wanted to try to remind audiences who he was, you know, and in our presence. And, Again, you seeing them in the Basoto blankets, and the big, the big inspiration for Nakia's character was Harriet Tubman. You know what I mean? This is kind of like the Harriet Tubman moment in the film, where she's kind of leading, you know, uh, to Charles' friends and family out of harm's way, and we kind of wrap that scarf around our head, and that, you know, mm -hmm. with that in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people don't know that Harriet Tubman was also a spy. You know, after she went, you know, north, she got, you know, she was in the military and worked as a, a Union spy. Absolutely, she was charged one of the biggest. Um battles at the river i forget what the name of the river was or the uh yeah it was the river yeah. and and succeeded yeah i'm obsessed with her man yeah <laughs> the historical figure but it was cool to like have a shout out to her Tubman in the film was married in ritual combat. Would the odds fair? Yes, So but it was less a murder than a defeat. Do not rub our noses in Silence. It. I make the pronouncements here, girl. Well, uh, this idea of, of political intrigue, you know, and them having to go to, them having to go to somebody who they kind of view as their enemy to sort something out. And here, here's a thing people like, man. I love this. It's actually something that was improv by Winston on the day. We, we loved it. Mm -hmm. You cannot talk. One more word, and I will feed you to my children. Didn't, also, I, didn't I grab you up? Yeah, yeah, but it's also, <laughs> but it's also the idea of, you know, playing into like what you know what they and reclaiming this this idea of uh, you know what it means to be regal. You know what I mean? What it means to be, uh, you know, he's one of the most honorable. You know, you know, Kevin Feige says he's the most honorable thing a character has ever done in in, in, in Marvel Studios history. He said that while we were in the editing room. But what Mbaku does here, you know, um, when he's offered this power, it's incredibly powerful thing, you know, uh, but it's also this idea of like, yo, you, you know, you're not finna speak for us. You know what I mean? Like, you're not finna talk. Like, just cause you here, I mean, you, you know what I mean? We need you, we need you talking right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, and you know, Ross is a guy who's very powerful where he's from. So it's this idea to kind of get in and kind of talk and start mixing it up. So it was Mbaku's way of saying, yeah, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking to you right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we trying to work something out and Wakanda's kind of solving their own, their own problems. You know what I'm saying? This scene is a scene where T'Challa's inactive, but the person that he is pays off. All of the good things that you see him do in this film, uh, 
spare Mbaku's life, obviously, uh, when we, when we, at Warrior Falls, but also empower the women in his life. You know what I'm saying? You see the three women in his life. Uh, you know, Okoye's not here because she's serving all that, serving come on out of duty, but you see the three women in his life. You save him, you know what I mean? And they're around him in this moment, you know what I mean? Nakia, who's a rule breaker, you know, and an innovator, stole something that she wasn't supposed to take, but thank God she did. Ramana, who represents tradition a little bit more, you know what I'm saying, it is, you know, knows the ways to, to work this. You know, she knows what to do here, you know, when, when Shuri doesn't, you know, Shuri's away from her lab, so she can't really help the child here. But Ramana knows the ways of all, you know, and, and, is, able to, and is able to take control here and, and, you know, and get this ritual going. And Shuri's watching, you know what I mean? She's right there with her mom learning something new. The know-it-all, you know, has now become the student, you know what I'm saying? And now they all participating in, in, in bringing him back. Had T'Challa not been the man that he was when he was alive, you know, he dies in that river, you know? And these are all things that Killmonger is not, you know? Um, these are things that T'Chaka was not, you know what I'm saying? Like, and these are why he's, you know, I think, you know, the greatest king that Wakanda has ever had. He's the king that's going to lead them into the future here, you know? In this scene, uh, it's a very, very intense scene. You know, I think it's you know, arguably some of Chad's best work. Um, but he goes back to the ancestral plane. And here, the ancestors are not in the trees anymore. And, they, and, and a lot of them appear in human. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were panthers before. So he's seeing people as men right now, as men and women. And this idea here is, is him confronting his elders. You know what I'm saying? He confronts his father about this horrible thing that his father did. And he asks his father. You know, and he sees that his father knows he was wrong. You know what I'm saying? And that answer is insufficient, you know. You know, and, and T'Challa says that, and he does something that's very disrespectful in African cultures, no matter where you go on the continent. But he actually raises his voice at his ancestors, mm -hmm. you know, um, and calls tradition out here, you know. And physically, you, you can see in his performance that he does, he shouldn't probably shouldn't be doing that, you know, but, it, but he does anyway, you know. Um, and it's a moment of growth for the character that's extremely important. He's kind of conquered his his flaw in terms of how he looks at the past, you know what I'm saying, and, and realizes that, you know, he has a, he's a good man with a good heart, and that's why he should make his own moves, you know, um, as opposed to that being a hindrance. That's actually a plus, you know what I'm saying? He's going to go he's gonna go and save Wakanda, and as a result, probably the world. But it's T'Challa coming into his own, right? You know, it's just coming out of age movie, and it's coming into his own. And as a result, Wakanda kind of come into that coming into that on here. And now he's kind of got the gas to, you know, lead us into our third act battle. I cannot rest while he sits on the throne. He's a monster of our own making. I must take the mantle back. I must, I must right these wrongs. <laughs> You have a blanket. Would you describe Mbaku as an anti-hero? Uh, I try not to look at it like that. I, I guess you could, you know, uh, but for me, he's a political leader. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's who he is, and he's got his morals. You know, this is a very important scene here, actually, because what's being said here is extremely important. Like, you know, Ross kind of explain. He, Ross kind of lays out what the CIA is, what the CIA does. He talks about how you know they used Killmonger, who was a JSOC, uh, who's a JSOC operative. He's not Killmonger's not a CIA agent. He was a JSOC operative. He talks about how the CIA used these types of fighters to destabilize foreign countries. 
You know, um, and, and I think that that was another benefit that we had of having Ross here in the third. Like he kind of, he kind of earmarked those things and talk about how you know what Killmonger is doing. Basically, he had been trying to do it as a government agent. You know what I'm saying? And it's why it's very important. Like this idea of, you know, using weapons to destabilize places. You know, isn't one he invented in a, in a vacuum. You know what I'm saying? It's actually a, a tactic that's been used by the Western world several times over, specifically on the continent of Africa. You know, um, but in a lot of places where, where they dealt with colonization and uprisings. Foreign governments, Western governments would deliver weapons to parties that they wanted to win. You know what I'm saying? To, and it would deliver weapons to kind of destabilize, you know, make sure that political things were destable, you know, so they can, you know, get resources out, get whatever they needed out. And that's what Ross is talking about happening all over the world. I'm into. What? You're going to need all the help you can get. Are you done? Are, are you are you are you done? <laughs> you know, here in Baku's kind of done with the uh, with the rallying of the troops. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of ready for them to get going. Thank you. And here you you, you see T'Challa, the political animal. You know, here uh, uh, and it's a political conversation. Please allow my mother to... This idea of isolationism versus intervention. In favor for a favor, you know, and in Baku's eyes, look, man, our favor just paid up, man, get on. You know what I'm saying? It's a child is asking for another one, you know, and it's implied that that relationship maybe could continue, but in Baku's not, not really into it. It's a child has got limited time to be able to, you know, put something on his mind that'll maybe, you know, that'll maybe, that'll maybe change it. You speak of us. I cannot speak for this. It's the crazy part. We had like two takes for Winston in this, man. In this we one? Running, yeah, we were running out of time. He, he kind of nailed this in, he kinda nailed this in like a couple of takes. If gets control, I remember that. I remember the. It was two days, right? You were in here. One day. Yeah, it, was it was one day. It was, it was two days, but it was like, it was weird because it was a cover set. It was. So and we ended up having to, we ended up having to shoot this, but we wasn't really probably ready for it. Wait. Was it two days? We were in there for two days, was I believe. It or am I thinking of that? No, it was two days. It was two days, yeah. It was two days. It was two days. The vibranium mine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, here we seeing that, you know, we seeing everything moving, man. It's idea of you know, here again, it's the idea of impatience. You know, Killmonger's going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's on a moving train. He's not waiting around. You know, he's in there and he's shipping stuff out. You know, he's, he doesn't trust. <laughs> like, he doesn't trust to, take, to be able to take his time. You know, and and it's an impatience that I, you know, that I grew up with. Look at this. People often tell me like, "Oh, you're so young. You be making movies." And like, I'm, I'm 31, but I feel like I'm 60. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, it's like I'm, you know, I'm always going, man. Because I, 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 yes, I feel like tomorrow, not, tomorrow, not promise. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so that's what that's kind of where Killmonger's moving. You know what I'm saying? Like get this stuff, get this stuff all get it going. I love this scene. Yeah, this is one of my favorite musical moments here, man. Like uh, Ludwig really killed this. So he's moving in. You're hearing the, the, the chorus sing, the, the choir, and they're singing Kunkani, Kunkani Way to, which is, which is our king. So it's Kunkani, Kunkani Way to. They're singing our king in, in Osa. And, um, you know, and then we get into T'Challa's theme here. And then here you go, that moment of, uh, <laughs> you know, Connor's got some choices to make, right? You know, um, 
and, and that was a big contrast that, that that Daniel liked. This idea of him saying, you know, to, you know, T'Challa says in, in Jadaka, he calls him by his African name and an African accent, and they come on like, "What's up?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so it's like that contrast of you know, that contrast of language among yeah. Africans. You know what I'm saying? And where you and where you from? And them being totally honest. Yeah. You know, that's like the that's T'Challa's very honest way of calling his cousin, <laughs> and that's Kamala's very honest way of responding. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> You know, something that Daniel laughed about, you know, because Daniel grew up in London and he has cousins that are in Uganda. And he, t- he laughs at how they, t- how they communicate with each yeah. other. You know, um, and this, I- this idea here of, of you, know, you know, we had to have limited time to make what Kabi, you know, to believe what Kabi's decision here. But he doesn't want to go back to, to, to the old ways, you know what I'm saying? So he says, let's, let's, let's fight. Yeah. <laughs> Bombili. Bombili. Uh, Bombili. Yeah. So then, you know, but this, fighting. this set, we built this giant, another Jeez. ginormous. Yes, we did. <laughs> and, and it's all and it's concrete. So we poured concrete. We sliced off the top of a hill and <laughs> dug a giant hole in it. And uh, it's probably about a hundred feet in diameter. And then it's probably about eight feet from the platform to the top of the steps. And we built about. 30 feet of the um, actual building. Um, and we built a little bit of the sides, I believe. We did the whole sides, but as far as the big structure in the back, I think we did a little bit of that as well. But that's, and then we brought the rocks in, which was, you know, uh, we placed the belt and stuff like this. And this was one of the, close to one of the last ones yeah. uh, that we did. So this was a big, this was in how long were you guys out there? We were out here for man, maybe a couple of weeks. With all the stunts yeah. and all yeah, of the... Yeah, a couple the... weeks. We had, we had a second unit running down the way. We might have been out there three weeks. Man, I got to look, look at the schedule, really, man. And this this, this moment was a uh, oh, big one, this. man. This, and, I love this. And, 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 and you know, just kind of, we kind of went past uh, a lot of musical moments here. But here, you know, here is uh, our friend M20. Here um, comes. Coming out, man. And, 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 and M20 in the gang. Here, you know, M20 is the last one coming through these right here, <laughs> and the music here was real, was real cool. We used the muted horns. Nakia and I will get control of the royal telling with this. In this cue, this cue, uh, both my wife Zinzi and I really love, man. But it's the Shuri cue. Um, it kind of comes in here when she's fighting. Um, when she comes out with Nakia, and she's, you know, you kind of seeing her taking command. You seeing like the, you know, the, the maybe she'll be a, you know, a great uh, warrior queen in the future. You know what I'm saying? She's kind of distributing that, you know, kind of letting everybody know what, what to do and, and running the show. And once again, you seeing this, you know, this, this, this uh, usually that occupied, that's occupied by, by a white male. You know what I'm saying? But it's a 16 year old African telling everybody what to do. And from here on out, Ross is under her command. You know what I'm saying? So here was a, uh, you know, real. You know, emotional moment here, but the idea of seeing one of the door fall and once again these these, these powerful people come out doesn't care who's in his way. You know what I'm saying? He's ready. To, you know, he's ready to go. You see, deny affected by that in our minds. That was the first door to die. You know what I'm saying? In combat, in, in probably thousands of years. You know what I'm saying? And, and that idea I heard trying to process that in that moment is, you know, beautiful performance by deny. You know, um, then it's followed up by, by Shuri, man, and these these women who kind of assembled to have the child's back. You know what I'm saying? Very formidable. You know, it's all he has, but you know, you get the feeling that maybe that's enough. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, Ross also an unlikely ally 
um, you know, under the command of Shuri in his ear, telling him, you know, telling him what to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, go go fly here, fly here, do that. You know, so for us, you know, Ross was kind of an extension, of, uh, extension of Shuri here. You know, he's not operating as a CIA agent. You know what I'm saying? He's under her command right now. All right, I'm on it. So here, boom. You know, uh, got, got Panther doing a big takedown. And that's kind of from a, from the McGregor arc. You see uh, in the in Don McGregor comic book arcs in the 70s, you see Panther kind of tackling <laughs> tackling rhinos mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, and here building on the tension of, of, you know, them trying to get to the necklace. You know what I'm saying? They're kind of pointing out that to beat this dude, you got to get him out of his suit. Oh, yeah, here we get in there. <laughs> Michael so now. fantastic. I just love like you know, you just instantly fall. Remember that first time that I said to you <laughs> I you were like, What did you think of the script, the first the first draft that came out? And I said, I just really don't like Michael's character. Right. And you're like, right, because he's the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's because I'm so used yeah, to like, like you know, Mike. Yeah. liking Mike and yeah. wanting him to be that character, yeah. and then all of a sudden you see him doing these, you yeah. know, while he's so charming, right, right, you and you almost start get sucked. I mean, I could see myself yeah. being like, yeah, right, he's right. Why wouldn't he be right? Yeah, yeah. because of that charm. But then you're like, no, I don't like him. I love to talk about yeah. that shot. That was awesome. Yeah. Is that a GoPro? What is that? Oh, that was that was a mounted shot. It was an old shot from that we had from previous, and, and this idea of you know, it's chess pieces, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, we had to kind of work out this battle. And, you know, boy, did we study a lot of third act battles. You know what I'm saying? I'm always running into this, man. We looked at a lot of them. And one fight he's a big fan of is uh, Battle of Endor from uh, Return of the Jedi. You know, uh, we looked at all of them. And for me, it was just about maintaining the emotional relationships. You know what I'm saying? And making sure you got emotional reactions here. And, right. And I, and I think in a film, the most important emotional relationship is the relationship that the child has with his sister. Yes. You know, um... And this idea that, that Killmonger is threatening that. And she says something here that kind of is, is hard on him. She knows exactly what to say, <laughs> being a little mm -hmm. sister, but tells him that he'll never be a true king. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like one last little punch in case she goes out. What's up, princess? You'll never be a true king. You know, here we, uh, did a continuous shot that kind of went down to show the expansiveness of the mind. And we put him on this uh, symbolism of this underground railroad here yeah. for that fight. And, and also, you know, feel, we don't have to feel like heart vibes, you know what I'm saying? This idea like they're fighting for the heart of Wakanda, you know what I'm saying? So you see these these mining things that, that Hannah designed, they almost feel like aortic vowels, you know? Beautiful work Hannah and the team did there. Shoot it. And you're kind of like, this is, suddenly you're like in the fight with them and then you're in this void and then boom, they land. And yeah, we call them the uh, stabilizer lights. Yeah. To, we had to figure out a way like how to, how would they, you know, a lot of this too, which I think is really awesome to, to speak about this film and the way that all the departments work together to figure out how would things really work? Not just like, oh, throw some stuff at it. You know, we really worked hard to understand like, okay, well, if you actually had this element, you had this volatile element, how would you get it from one place to another? I mean, you can't just have it and then like, what, you have some sound and then it gets crazy. So coming up with an, a way for them to transport it away to destabilize it. And then you, you know, playing on that with the suits and then it's just all kind of an orchestra 
together in that sense is I think in the large part for me what makes that particular scene because it was such a cool set that vibranium bottom with the giant lights those lights were 14 feet tall they were huge <laughs> they right. were those were some little those were ginormous real right. lights that we built um right. you know and that was only 60 feet that we built of that but yeah oh and then this, this moment here was it was about you know because ross is basically drone operating uh aircraft right now doing you know carrying out the mission sure he let out for him but here we, we wanted him to have some skin in the game so we wanted his life to actually be at risk the same way that the rest mm. of Wakandans are and him to be faced with the choice of you know, getting out of there with his life still intact or, you know, putting it on the line to complete the to complete what Shuri asked him to do. You know, and I think that um that, you know, he makes that choice to stay in there, even though Shuri's telling him to get out of there to show that uh you know, basically to show that T'Challa was right to trust this dude. You know what I'm saying? Uh in their own personal relationship. You have three seconds to lay down your weapon. So here, you got Wakabi telling him to surrender, and then we get the sound design of uh, of all them Baku mm -hmm. and his team. This is one of my showing up. Parts. Yeah, because right here. <laughs> yeah, and a big deal here. He's, he's, he's shouting out the, you know, he's kind of making a distraction while while the rest of the Jabari come in, and the first uh, Jabari to come through and get a kill I is a woman. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Jabari woman. I love it. Uh, Show that it's, it's women Jabari warriors too. Tide turn, knocking this dude sideways. Abia, which is a another word like a pombili, but it's in the in the Igbo. dialect. Um, telling this guys, let's go. You know. Once again, these two these two are still at it. Watching and this on set, I was like, uh, it was really like for real. Like I looked at Michael's face, and I was like, that's. There's, it was, wow. Real, oh, was, they were going at it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, you felt all of it. It was pretty yeah. amazing, and I was just like, and that's actually Oribe Gorge, I believe, they're flying through. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Oribe Gorge, yep, yep, yep. And then, you know, the RTF, and then we, got, we went to get these talent fighters, like these cool mining features, because we figured that they were in the mines, too. So they would have these kind of like, uh, almost like harpoon-type vibe yeah. things. With, I love vibrate, it. You know, sure you're getting down, still telling Ross what to do. And fighting and giving, fighting at the same you know, time, fighting at the same time, and, and still leading. Yeah, yeah sure, you know, yeah, sure, he's, sure, he's incredible. We've got our Mission Impossible moment where is he falling? No. Yeah. Remember when he yeah, suspends like yeah, five yeah. inches above the floor? Yeah, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Boom. So it turns on right before it hits the ground. <laughs> It's all about will he get to it or won't he get to it, you know what I'm saying? Boom. And then he calls out to let sure you know he did it. We did it! Great! Now get out of there! You know, she tells him to get out of there, and you know, he don't know if he made it out or not. You got Wakabi, you know, looking at Mbaku just kicking her, you know, Jesus Christ, that dude took that stunt. Just dove right into the ground there. I love He's this. 20. Because they, I mean, those rhinos, they look like giant pot-bellied pigs. I love yeah. this moment right here. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, my, so the idea here is that, you know, uh, you know, we plant a lot of seeds, that, but, but Okoye is from the border tribe. You know, it's kind of why she wants to ride on top of that car in Busan, like they're riders, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. She's from that tribe, and she knows that rhino, because that's, you know, that's her husband. You know, she helped raise it. No rhino in the world is going to run through Okoye, you know what I'm saying? Run through everybody else but her. In you know? this moment. <laughs> 
Yeah, and this was a big moment, man. It was a moment that uh, that the nine Daniel worked on, you know, to get right. It was old drafts where they actually fought. Uh, they had like a big fight, you know. But we got to just this line and this observation, um, you know, and it's like that. Wakabi still cares about Wakanda, you know what I'm saying? He sees the civil war that's going on. Um, you know, he sees that Okoye, who he doesn't want to fight, you know what I'm saying, is down the, you know, is down the ride for the country. You know, um, he, he surrenders, you know. And that idea of surrendering, you know, is something that comes up and it comes up and up again, like yielding, you know. Um, but you never see that in a movie where a man lays his weapon down. To a woman? To a woman. And that yeah. is like a huge yeah. moment because yeah. everyone sees Wakabi yeah. lay his weapon down yeah. and then the rest of the border tribe yeah. follows suit. So that's like a huge yeah. moment, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And once again, here you got the broken spear we talked about, which ends up being what strikes the fatal blow on Killmonger, that spear that he, it's the same spear that he broke when they were fighting at Warrior Falls that he held on to. And it's this idea of, of you know, now T'Challa is a innovator as well, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's, it's this idea of, you know, him being king now. And now he struck that blow. And, and it's funny because I got siblings, man. I'm the eldest sibling. We get into fights. And whenever you fight, you know, even they, they my, my little brothers are bigger than me now, you know what I'm saying? But even when you, it, but even when you fight, when you fight them, you know what I'm saying? You get to that point, you realize, oh yeah, like they, they snap back to being a kid again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you hit them too hard or something, they fall. It's like, oh, you see that? It's like, oh man, you know. And, and, and you know what? They capture like the darkest version of that here. But you know, Kilmarin realizes he's about to die, and he starts talking about when he was a kid. You know what I'm saying? He starts talking about this unfulfilled promise that his father had given him, you know, and, and that T'Challa sees like, oh man, you know, and he says Wakanda's beautiful, and he says, you know, T'Challa was like, I can't let him die in here because Wakanda's not about the vibranium. You know what I'm saying? This isn't this mine isn't Wakanda. You know what I'm saying? So he wants to give him a view that's you know worthy of a, of a king. You know what I'm saying? Worthy of a, of royalty. And I think here in that this isn't like yeah the bad guy is dead you know what i'm saying happy happy go lucky no this is it's his family you know what i'm saying and child is trying to figure out a way to to salvage something here you know takes a knee here symbolism there mm -hmm. it's beautiful And this conversation was when it's actually this line of him, you know, actually verbalizing that he's, that he's afraid of being locked up was when a suggestion that was from my wife, actually. Um, looking at that, and this, and this last line was when I was always in the, always in every draft that, Maybe you know, that we worked on. You know, this idea of Kilmarker being someone who, he identifies with those ancestors, the ones that, you know, were lost in that, in that pain, lost in that journey, you know. And there's another section of ancestors that yeah. made it to the continent, you know what I'm saying, who withstood that, you know, for hopes of the future, you know, who he doesn't identify with that, you know. And it's heartbreaking for T'Challa there as well, because T'Challa sees him as Wakanda, which is why he gives him, you know, the, the Wakanda salute. You know, even, even after he dies, he folds his arms here. But Killmonger is, you know, you know, for him, that's how he chose to live. You know what I'm saying? He goes out as like a G, so we say, where I'm from. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
And again, you seeing the youth, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's another day in Wakanda. You know, you seeing the border, you seeing the city. It's a, one of my favorite shots in the film as well. You, you see Mbaku there, and you see Nakia there in the tribal council now. So things have changed. Out here, these kids, you know, people back, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the feeling of like a civil war actually flared up, and now they're trying to like, you know, trying to get back. And here's a very important thing about the child, man. A lot of times you see these big superhero movies, but he actually thanks his girl. Acknowledges the fact that I was dead at the bottom of a river or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And what you did, you know, by taking the herb and getting my family to safety actually saved, saved everything, you know, and he thanks her. Another thing is showing, like, what kind of guy T'Challa is, you know what I'm saying? He's not the dude that's going to take the glory for himself, you know what I'm saying? He's going to acknowledge the true folks to help him achieve it. You know, and here he's showing the kid that he's an innovator now as well. Can't blame me, I almost died. I think I know where you, you have to shoot all this stuff in one day. Everything in Step Town was done in one day, man. Yeah. Rachel was a rock star. It was freezing cold. Yeah. It's, oh, it was so cold. <clears throat> yeah, but. You in know, one day, yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. The, the affection of them took care of us, man. And, and you know, we got what we had to do. And, this, and, this, and, then we, and then once again, going to this, going to this, uh, to the same place in Oakland, you know what I'm saying? And now it's daytime, so the whole thing is contrast. Time's moving on, it's daytime, but you see similar kids, you know what I'm saying? You got, got your Hispanic kid there and, and you know, these other young kids, but it's also a young lady that's out there playing with him there, you know what I'm saying, who makes that shot. I have a question. Yeah, and then, what's that? I was gonna say, is there any, what's the significance of the young man that talks to T'Challa? Oh, yeah, yeah, When we, we get to that, that I guess. Yeah. But, but I'm jumping the gun. Here, you know, here, so here T'Challa's out um, in Oakland, and he takes, you know, he goes to the spot where this thing happened, you know, and he's, and he's talking to, to Shuri. Once again, the film starts with two siblings talking, and it ends with two siblings talking. You know, here he's, he's being honest with her. He's telling her, he's telling her everything, telling her the truth. You know, um, you see the difference between T'Challa and his father, you know? Um, and he's setting up what kind of involvement, you know, in these places of the diaspora, you know what I'm saying? He goes to the black folks first, you know what I mean? Like, he goes to the UN later, but here's where he goes first. And the key is overseeing the social outreach in terms of, you know, um, making sure that people have everything that they need. And in terms of the, uh, of the science and, and, and information, I'm sure he's gonna handle that, you know what I mean? Make sure folks are developing in that way. And here the kids are seeing the ship. And once again, you know, the film opens with people with kids seeing ships. But it was flying away in the beginning. Now it's landing, you know, and it's not being hidden. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, it's just a pose with the kids at the beginning and also the women in the Sambisa Forest, you know. Um, and now Shuri's gonna go over and tell them all about it. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to speak nothing to this day, she's gonna tell them all about it. And some of the kids wanna pull up in school and you know, other kids wanna take it apart. You know what I'm saying? And she's, <laughs> she's saying, you know, and this, the significance of this moment here is that he, he you know, T'Challa sees his cousin and his kid. Mm. You know, we did Alex's hair up like Killmonger's. You know, he's wearing blue. Who are you? He asked him who he is. And then really, the real question of that is, who am I? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And um, T'Challa sees, uh, sees his kid and sees a way to, you know, a way to right the wrongs that happened in the past. You know what I'm saying? And smiles. So that's, that's kind of how we, how we get into that, to that ending there. 
cool. We good. Brian and Hannah. Shining uh, off here. Thanks for listening, you Wakanda guys. Forever. Wakanda forever. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. You and all your expectations. I don't even want your congratulations. I recognize your false confidence and calculated promises all in your conversation. I hate people that feel entitled. Look at me crazy cause I ain't invite you. Oh, you important, you the moral to the story. You endorsing, you endorsing, I don't even like you. Corrupt a man's heart with a gift. That's how you find out who you're dealing with. A smart percentage you I'm building with. I want the credit if I'm losing or I'm winning. Oh, my mama, that's the really, that's the real. My name is King T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka. I am the sovereign ruler of the nation of Wakanda. And for the first time in our history, we will be sharing our knowledge and resources with the outside world. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. We sold you respect, King T'Challa. What can a nation of farmers have to offer the rest of the world?
are you playing around with that man again? No. You're teasing him again. No. Morning, Sergeant Barnes. Bucky. How are you feeling? Good. Thank you. Come. Much more for you to learn. <laughs> 